Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Brant Daughtry and Cam Berry with me for the full three hours as we take you inside a deep preview of the greatest rivalry in college football, Auburn and Alabama, the Iron Bowl coming up tomorrow inside of Jordan-Harris Stadium. We will have a complete breakdown, all the matchups, all the things to watch out for on the game tomorrow we'll also talk some other college football uh, as it is rival rivalry excuse me rivalry weekend that's hard to say uh, thank you thank you for the back <laughs> uh as a bunch of rivalries are renewed this weekend and we will go over some of them uh throughout the show today uh some of them will be happening during the show today and throughout today as uh, there are going to be a lot of games both Friday and Saturday to talk about. Uh, so we will get to some of those. But, of course, our focus will be on the Iron Bowl and go through all the matchups there. Of course, we want to hear from you, your predictions, your thoughts on the Iron Bowl at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free one triple eight nine tiger nine i hope everyone had a very blessed and happy thanksgiving i hope everyone is not too upset about the waistline today as they look down uh, and i hope everyone had a good helping of food and family yesterday uh, i know i certainly did had a great time in birmingham and uh, ready to get back at it and look forward to a great weekend of college football again ryan lavoy camberry brant dontry with you here on this friday brant we'll start with you i hope you had a very happy thanksgiving sir and it's good to see you i do uh i i, I did i should say had a very good thanksgiving and uh, was uh great to go back home to well i went to americas which is where my grandparents live and traveled back and forth between there and uh, Warner Robins, my hometown, got to see some family that I haven't seen in a while, got to see some friends that I haven't seen in uh, even longer, and uh, I've lost so much weight recently that a few that another inch or so on the waistline is not that big a deal, so I'm happy about that. Um, Thanksgiving was fantastic, uh, and, you know, I, you're talking about it, some rivalries are being played today. Had one of them played yesterday. Uh, got to see the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Uh, some news out of that one uh, coming, uh, coming up as well, but... Uh, most of today's show is going to be focused on the Iron Bowl with good reason. Like you said, it's the greatest rivalry in college football. Might be the best rivalry in all of sports. Um, certainly holds a, a claim to that title, at least. So uh, a lot to get into today, for sure. And then, Cam Berry, I hope uh, you had a great Thanksgiving yesterday, sir, and it's good to see you as well. I did. Good to see you as well, Ryan. Uh, I'm glad you had a, a good Thanksgiving also, sir. Um, and, yeah, I'm doing great. Got to go up to Atlanta, spend some time with my family, and had a great time. We actually hosted there, which is something that's something I haven't we haven't done in a very, very long time, usually my family, uh, being that my parents are from Auburn. Um, they, they usually come down here. We usually spend time around here in the Columbus, Phoenix City area um, and, and uh, you know, spend time with family 
uh, around there. So uh, to be able to go home was good uh, and, and relax there um, and, and just kind of get away for a couple of days was, was always good and, and relaxing. And uh, yeah, had a lot of good food and, and watched some good. Uh, uh, I watched a lot of NFL actually yesterday. I didn't really watch a lot of uh, college college football. Um, I kind of kind of glanced at the at the Egg Bowl here and there, but was much more interested kind of in the in the NFL um, and, and watching you know Cowboys and Commanders and Forty um, uh, ers and um, Seahawks and Seahawks and then the first game which is now and the the Lions and the Packers which was an, an interesting one uh, given that I was not expecting the Packers to take that win in all honesty but the Lions just kind of beat up on themselves Jared Goff three fumbles. Um, kind of looking like a, the the Jared Goff that the Rams kind of gave up on, not the one that's been looking pretty good with the Lions the last, uh, I would say, about season and a half at, the, at this point. Uh, so pretty surprising. But, again, still uh, really, really um, good football being played. And, uh, man, Dak Prescott, another a phenomenal game against the Commanders. And uh, um, and then, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Mr. O- uh, touchdown, just always, always scoring and, and his all-purpose yards. So, uh, some phenomenal NFL football uh, played yesterday, and then a surprising loss from Arkansas yesterday. I think, I, if I remember correctly, and then um, uh, basketball. Sorry, Arkansas basketball. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, college basketball. Um, and and uh, so there was a lot of things being played, and then a surprising loss from Creighton, who uh, I know Alabama will be facing a little bit later down the line. So that's uh, something to keep an eye on. They got beat pretty badly by Colorado State, um, which was a surprising surprising uh, loss for them. Um, so yeah, I'm doing great. Watched a lot a lot of sports, as you can tell, and uh, yeah, ready to talk about some Iron Bowl, uh, the greatest college football or greatest uh, rivalry, like Brent has said, in all of sports. I also was watching everything yesterday. The parents now <laughs> subscribe to the two, even the three TV nice. setup from time to time. Oh my gosh. So I was also watching a lot of college basketball and, and NFL, but uh, we will have plenty of time yeah, next for week sure. for, the, for all the basketball. And of course, oh, Auburn yeah. picked up another victory since our last live show. Uh, so today we will focus on, look, obviously the rivalries, but also the fact that I'm going to make you sad for a second. Uh, this is the last regular season week of the year. Some teams are playing their final game yep. today and wah, tomorrow. Wah. Yep. Uh, a lot of teams around five wins trying to uh, obtain bowl eligibility. There's still, I think, 22 or 23 teams that can get there for still at least 14 more bowl spots. It's not projected that that will happen. That will mean the likes of James Mass and Jacksonville State will get the opportunity to get, uh, get in there. But uh, anyway... Uh, some teams' seasons will end in the next 48 hours, and that will be sad. Uh, most teams, more than half the country, will still have a bowl game or a conference title game to look forward to. And we look forward to the 88th Iron Bowl tomorrow between Alabama and Auburn. Auburn coming into this of maybe a, a, a kind of a 180 mindset from what we thought they might after the uh, debacle on Saturday inside of Jordan Hare Stadium against New Mexico State. We leave that game in the rearview mirror for purposes of, uh, unless you, of course, believe it does impact this game, which it might in some ways. But we look forward to this game tomorrow, guys. And let's just start off general, and we'll get more concentrated and more uh, specific throughout the yes, show. <clears throat> what's the most important thing for tomorrow? What, what's what In general, what's... Are you looking for the most? What is going to interest you the most in the game within the game? I, I think that the game is going to be won and lost 
in in the trenches. I think offensive line versus defensive line for both teams is going to be what decides this. And on paper, that matchup does not suit Auburn. Um, well, actually, I, I say that for Auburn's offense, it certainly does not. But Alabama's offensive line has been yeah, a little bit leaky this good. year. Not great. Um, they, they've they've been below average, especially below what Alabama is used to. And when you when you look at them, you look at a guy like Marcus Harris. I think that he has a chance to have a big game. Um, they, they're not necessarily giving up a ton of sacks off those edge rushers, but the interior defensive linemen have had success against them. So I think Marcus Harris is a guy that can really flip this game on its head. Um, but as far as Auburn's offense going against Alabama's defense, I mean, they, they've got freaks all up and down that defensive line, and Auburn's offense has uh, been streaky, to put it nicely, I guess. Uh, they've had some good games, but they've also had some very, very, very bad games. Um, probably the the worst of their season was against New Mexico State. Um, that's where I think this game's going to be won is with the big guys up front. Whichever team can execute, can do their job better, uh, gives their team the best the best chance to win. Yeah, so I agree with you, Brand. Actually, I was going to say if the offense can find some rhythm, if the uh, if they can really get things going, because I'm not really as worried about the defense. I think that they'll be able, hopefully, be able to game plan and learn. Um, from how De- uh, Diego Pavia played last week, a very mobile uh, uh, quarterback, and, and how he kind of plays and, and be able to be uh, ready for what Jalen Milrow brings to the table. Um, you, you don't want him to beat you with your legs. That's something that he's obviously very, very dangerous with. Um, he's got a big, a big arm, so you don't want to get beat over the top and force him to make those tough intermediate throws uh, because those are the ones that he kind of tends to miss and, and kind of struggle with a little bit. And and the defense will be able to have, have a chance, kind of get after him. I think you're right about the interior uh, of the defensive line being able to uh, be be the key into this game. Um, but I, I still think uh, that the edge rushers, I think a difference maker like Jalen McLeod will, will still be able to be productive um, as well. Uh, but, yeah, like, I, I just think it's going to be the offense when it comes to Auburn. I think uh, they're, they're going to have to execute – um, in the best way possible, I think that I think we can all agree that the crowd is going to be into it. Um, there's there's going to be that type of element um, as it always is in in uh, when the Iron Bowl is played uh, in Jordan Hare Stadium. So they're going to show out. the the Auburn The Auburn faithful will be there to support um, in in their most dedicated way possible, as per usual. And um, yeah, I, I think it's just going to be about the offense, just just being um, playing as best as they can, being as connected as much as they can. I'm going to take a little bit of a contrarian approach. I feel what, let's talk about what I feel like I know. I know Auburn's not going to score a lot of points in this game. Now, where on the spectrum they fall? Can they get to 30? Can they get to 27? Is it more like 17? I don't know. But I don't think Auburn is going to go win a 2019 48-45 Iron Bowl. So I actually think it's more important for the defense to come out on fire and to start a tone with that side of the ball. Because if Alabama is going to exhibit that they're going to score most of their possessions, Auburn's not going to win because Auburn's not going to keep up. Now, again, offense will come into play in that can they get towards that 30 number or is it down at 13, 14, right, and they're not right. manufacturing much? But if Alabama comes down the field, scores in seven or eight plays, and then they take the ball the second possession, they score something, and they have doubled, and they have 10 to 14 points in two possessions, that tells me that Alabama's not really bothered by the crowd. Crowd's going to be loud to start. I know there might be a little whiff of New Mexico State in there, but it's going to be loud. 
it's the Iron Bowl for crying out loud. It doesn't matter if Auburn was two and nine coming this game. It's going to be loud, and they're going to give their best yep. go of it from the beginning. And so, I think that if Alabama goes down and scores, then that's going to tell me that you know what they have learned from earlier in the year when they weren't as great. Just as a team, we know they've gotten better, but also they've not played a tough road environment in quite some time, really since the A&M game, with all due respect to Kroger Field. Alabama's not played in this type of environment since week four, week five or so, week six of the season. So if they go and pass that test from the get-go, I'm already incredibly concerned. And so I think it's on Auburn's defense to get it going. They, they sometimes, for as great as they have been all year, they've had two bad games. One of them is against LSU. I think everyone has played a pretty bad defensive game against LSU all season long. I think that for as great as they've been, sometimes that first drive is not the best. Sometimes they got to work into it uh, just a little bit. And so they need to start off better than that. And, they're, and all, look, let's just be real. Auburn's going to have to ask a lot of its defense in this game anyway. Uh, and so I think that they need to get the initial start down. Just get the thoughts creeping in Alabama's mind. Get the false. I know that's nothing that defense can technically control, but when does Alabama have their moments of, of ineptitude in Jordan-Hare Stadium? They start false starting. There's bad snap counts. There's misalignment. There's things that Alabama normally doesn't do against anybody else that this crowd and this defense causes. And so if that's not going to exist, then Alabama's going to end up scoring too many points for Auburn to keep up with. So I think it's very important to see how the defense starts. Can they get a negative play or two, something that's really palpable for the crowd to hold on to? Does it even go over the top and sets up your offense? I mean, I'm not necessarily asking for that, but is that possible? Do you get the two sacks that make you have a 55-yard field because of a short punt? Do you force a turnover early? Uh, Auburn had a long streak that was just snapped of forcing turnovers. So, uh, you know, do you get something above and beyond? That would be great. But what I still just want to see is the first possession to Auburn's defense needs to hang in there, hold Alabama off the score a scoreboard, produce a big hit, produce a negative play, something that gives you the feeling that they can kind of corral Alabama, if not the whole game, for at least a little while. The closer you keep the game, the more the crowd matters. The more the crowd matters, the more the penalties start to accrue, and it become, it kind of builds on itself. But it can't build if you don't have a foundation, and that foundation has to come defensively early in the game. We're going to take our first time out of the show when we come back more on the Iron Bowl. Also, some of your phone calls on the orthopedic clinic phone line you're listening to the friday edition of sports call live on tiger Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Dontry, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday, day before the Iron Bowl on the Plains. And I don't know, did you guys notice any more traffic coming in? I know you guys traveled today too. I didn't. I, no? It really wasn't that bad. Okay. It, it wasn't it wasn't bad until I got onto 85. Like uh, okay. over in um Phoenix City. Uh not Phoenix City, uh Opelika. Okay. When I when I got off the exit from Opelika to here. That was pretty crowded, but coming over from the middle of the state of Georgia, it was not sure. that bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad for me either. 85 South was not not too crazy. Even even going like I the way that I take it, I don't take 285. I don't go around. I just go through the city. It wasn't bad at all, really. I mean, relative to Atlanta traffic, right? Like, if sure. <laughs> well, nothing's everything's light <laughs> right. and palatable right, 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 in the right. South compared but, to Atlanta. But it was light in terms of that. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, I, I ask because I'm not the the greatest person to uh, to know that. Just because I feel like I'm always traveling at uh, eight, nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night, back and forth from Birmingham to here. Whenever I do go, so comparing that to right. two or three o'clock, or two o'clock at any time uh, is going to be different. So it was definitely more cars than nine o'clock at night. But right. again, breaking news: it's going to be that every day. So I didn't think it was too bad though. But definitely in Auburn felt. We were getting there. The backup at one of those traffic lights, and you know what traffic light I'm talking about. I think it's the long leaf light <laughs> by the Sonic. Yeah, that backs right. up on one side of the yeah, road. Yeah. Maybe you're sitting that right now. Like, yeah, that's me right now. Uh, yeah, I don't know why it always gets congested right there. I don't know if the cycle's not long enough or, or whatever, but or short enough. But uh, I could see that was starting to flow back towards uh, some of the gas stations. Some of them like, oh, yeah, geez. okay. Uh, yeah, it's getting it's getting loud. But uh, anyway, uh, we know that there will be a lot of people uh, joining us here today and tomorrow uh, for uh, this great rivalry. Let's go ahead and go to our orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll free. one 9 First up on the show this afternoon. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Hey, good afternoon, and uh, after Thanksgiving, did you uh, guys eat dangerously? Uh, we did. Uh, yes, definitely sir. ate a lot, and uh, I'm still proud of it, though. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Brent and Cam? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Ate, every, ate a, every Thanksgiving. Ate a lot of food and had a good workout after. It was great. What about you, Steve? Oh, good. Well, uh, I was going to – thanks for asking me. Uh, I didn't get really a chance to say the things I was uh, thankful for uh, on Tuesday, so – just real briefly, guys, I want to let you know, I'm thankful first that my entire family are all Auburn fans and uh, a son and daughter are uh, Auburn graduates. So I'm thankful for that. That's and true. the other thing I'm really, really thankful for is that you're one of the few things that I look forward to on a daily basis. Uh, without this show, uh, I probably would need some heavy medication. So I thank you guys for, uh, for you and the entire staff, uh, those I don't even know behind the scenes who make the show possible. So so I'm very thankful for you guys at all, uh, completely, seriously. We appreciate right. that, Steve. Okay, hey, I appreciate you guys. All right, uh, let's get to it first, guys. Uh, if you haven't seen it, because uh, I saw it on online at Auburn's website, the uh, uh, video for the pregame show for tomorrow, have you seen it? I have not. It's fantastic. I, I mean, after I watch it, I feel like you know, going out and buying me a, and get suited up and uh, I, I run through a brick wall for it, uh, for this game. Uh, and I wasn't that excited, obviously, this past week. Uh, but it's done narrated by Chris Davis. Yes. And then the other one, I'm sure you've seen that one too, is the one that uh, Tequila Spikes does is Tick Talk. Yes, I tick-tock. have seen that one. Yep. Yeah, that one I love too. All right. So with that being said, guys, this is the Iron Bowl, 
Uh, so trivia. I know, Matt, if you're listening, you like trivia. So here's the Iron Bowl trivia. Who coined the phrase Iron Bowl and when? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, actually. Guys, do you know? No? I do not. I, I know it started because it was played in Birmingham every year. That was where it originated, but I don't know who, which person originally came up with it. All right. Well, there's competing or conflicting uh, information on that. I'll give you the one that I first came across from Wikipedia, uh, and it said here that uh, this is not the conflicting part, that uh, Chuck Jordan uh, was credited with actually coining the word Iron Bowl because uh, in 1964 he was asked by reporters how to you going to deal with the disappointment of not being able to take his team to a bowl game. His response was, we've got our bowl game. We have it every year. It's the Iron Bowl in Birmingham. The conflicting uh, piece of information, though, comes from uh, the website uh, called uh, Encyclopedia of Alabama, uh, org, And they said that it was actually said, again, by Chuck Jordan in the early 50s, uh, because obviously it was being played in Birmingham and it was known as Steel City. So there you go. If you didn't know it, now you do know it. Uh, so it was uh, Chuck Jordan. But whether it's early 50s, 1964, I, I don't know. Who knows? All right. With that said, guys, uh, your comments about advantages. Uh, Mr. Daniels, here Daniels, thank God I won't have to uh, bother hearing him anymore after uh, tomorrow. Um, he says that Alabama uh, is a disadvantage, or that Auburn has one advantage over Alabama in this game, and that is the running game. And Jaquez Hunter. So I looked up the stats, and sure enough, uh, historically, statistically, the team that has outrushed the opponent uh, has won probably over 87% of the games. With that said, guys, um, what's your take on Freeze's probably uh, plan and, uh, and play schemes? More running or maybe not? Yeah, I think that uh, he will continue to tell you that, that he's going to try to be as balanced as possible. I, I don't think that Auburn – and look, I could be wrong. I don't think Auburn has run well enough in certain situations to be able to just lean on that. Uh, and I know that Peyton Thorne has had his his cap uh, and his ceiling uh, of performances, uh, but I just don't think that Alabama is going to be content to let it go six on six in the box and just – you know, a kind of a, a allow Auburn to have uh, run dominant boxes. I, I, I just I don't see that. So I think Alabama is going to make Auburn throw more. I think Auburn would be wise to try to get creative in their in in both both senses, but also uh, not be resigned to running on first and ten just because you're trying to get three yards and stay ahead of the chains. I know that third and long has been a no go for Auburn, but. I think that if they're just trying to run up the middle on first and 10, Alabama's just not going to let them do that successfully. So uh, I, I know that, that, that statistically Auburn uh, might have a small advantage there, but it still feels like Auburn has relied on two to three huge runs a game even in these last four or five weeks. And so I think that they are going to have to pass the ball successfully. They're not going to be able to leave this game with Peyton Thorne 10 of 18 for 96 yards and win the game. So I, I think that uh, he he will have to make plays, and I think the best way to try to accomplish that is a first and 10 uh, surprise play action or something like that. And everything you said is what I've been considering, too. Um, I, I know what I do want to see, guys, and I, I want 
and I want to hear from you guys what you want to see. I want to see the Auburn team that came out and played against Arkansas. That's the team I want to see on both sides of the ball. And what I also want to see, even more so by the defense, is that the defense has got to hold Alabama's uh, drives to field goals. We do that more often than not, then I think we have a plausible and legitimate chance of staying in the game. Uh, your guys' comments on that. Yeah, that second part of that's going to be interesting, and that is going to be within the, the scope of possibility for Auburn to be able to hold them in the red zone. Auburn has done a pretty good job all year long on red zone defense. Uh, that's why their points per game has been pretty good. Uh, they do allow yardage but they have done a good job. I don't know if it's currently ranked first, but it was for a long time. They were ranked first in red zone defense in the league. Uh, and if you look at it the way Alabama does it, now they've, again, they've improved in various ways. But still, the thing that I think is most concerning about their offense is their big playability. I, I think that it, it, even for all the great receivers they've had of years past, I think that it's a little more skewed for them this year in terms of big plays to actual just ground and pound drives. And so while they've always had that ability because they're playmakers, I think because they've had a little bit harder time just running 35 times in a game or completing five straight eight-yard passes, I think you worry more about the deep ball because you feel that you've got a better crack at it when you can actually make them have to do it for 14 straight plays or 15 straight plays because they haven't done it a whole lot uh, this year. And so I, I think that they've got a window of opportunity there. But, of course, if you give Milrow a long time, you don't sack him, you don't maintain your lanes, he'll make big plays. He will. It's not, it's, it has more so been a win, not if uh, in terms of that. That's also why it's concerning because it's not like, oh, I've sold one game where he had some big plays. No, he's had big passes, a few big runs, and almost every single game. So th- that, to me, limiting that the m- best you can – making there be as many red zone situations on their good drives. Now, hopefully you limit big plays and you don't limit or you don't have many red zone defensive opportunities. But when you do get them, yes, it's going to be very important uh, to try to capitalize that and, and prevent the big plays, take them out of it. All right, guys. Uh, Ryan, of course, yourself included. That's my concern because I was listening to Josh Pate's uh, uh, video podcast and uh, he made the observation and he's probably pretty accurate that you know, unlike past years, you could focus on uh, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones. But he said this year, this season, Alabama uh, has been not very, you know, focused on any particular one receiver. He said he's got nine to ten receivers uh, that he, he'll throw to. So our defense, on giving that information, tells me maybe we should play zone and not band. Uh, your thoughts? I, I, I don't know if it, that, that particularly means that you should play one or the other. Uh, because the danger, you have dangers with both. Okay, zone usually that is limiting big plays, right? It usually does uh, mandate more patience by the offense. Uh, and with man, you're usually banking on you couple that with blitzes usually, and you trust your corners. You have good corners. You like your matchups, that sort of thing. I I don't I think they'll have to play some of both. But the danger in man would be. You blitz and don't get there, and then and he gets people wide open in the middle. Sure, but also he would then be able to escape the pocket and run, 
Uh, if he is able to, to get out of the pocket there, he does take his fair share of sacks. But obviously with his athleticism, uh, it's not just a seven-yard scramble. It's a 17-yard scramble. And uh, so, look, you, you can – I think that you're right to think that zone will be a part of it. Uh, but there will still be situations that they'll have to go man, but they'll have to get there. That they're going to have to. That those are probably going to be out of their blitz looks, and they're they're going to have to disrupt the play because, as with anything, you give good offenses, good athletes, five seconds, and it's it, it doesn't matter if you're in man or zone. If you get five seconds to throw, let me let me let me put it that way. Now it might be a, a twelve yard play instead of a thirty two yard play. It's still going to be a play successful for the offense. All right, trick plays, guys. We're going to have to do something to take him by surprise. Agree or not? I, I think so. Uh, I think that they, again, you. it's such a catch-22 because what do we always say? When there's a trick play that doesn't work, it looks really bad because you trick yourself. yourself. Uh, when there's a trick play that works, it looks like one of the most brilliant things we've ever seen. I do think they have to be included just because I don't think Auburn's going to straight up just beat them. For for four quarters offensively, I think it's as simple as that. I I, I think that they should be. Uh, I I think they should probably not do them from the very start. Although I have not thought long and hard about how I want the three to five trick plays to go. Uh, but I think that you need to try to woo them into you might not do that stuff, and, and might give it a full quarter of oh no they are they're going to do the same stuff they've done all year. And they and they might have a their trick play out of a look that Auburn's done something very similar in all year long. Um, even stuff like this, even stuff that faking the bubble screen and having it become two seam routes, even stuff like that, it's not necessarily a trick play, but it's a misdirection. It's 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 a different kind of play. And Auburn's not done much of that even this year. So you don't have to do double reverse Philly special on three ready Blake uh, break to, to be able to do something that tricks the defense, but they certainly need to have different iterations of the stuff, the main stuff they've done all year long. Okay. So my trick plays, I'm thinking of the obvious one is fake punts. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I think we did it. One of the honorables forgot. I don't know if it was 2019, uh, maybe, uh, maybe uh, 2017 uh, onside kick. Yeah. It's always gutsy. I I'm, I, the, the feel of the game has got to be one thing. If you're winning the game, uh, you, you sometimes think you can... Let's say we just scored. say we just scored, and, and we, it happened one of the animals recently, and we just had scored, and then we did an onside kick and we covered it. What do you think about that, Brant? Do you... I, the thing about trick plays is you, you can't just pull out a trick play because your game plan says you have to have a trick play in here. Y- yes, you're going to see tricky stuff, like the stuff that Ryan was talking about. Even if you're not pulling off the the halfback pass off of a toss. You're, that doesn't have to be that. Uh, but just tendency breakers. Uh, do show a look that you've shown all season and run something different out of it. You know, at Auburn's, Auburn's been very vanilla with a lot of its offense this year, uh, especially its run scheme. So I think there's a lot of room for Auburn to do different stuff in the running game out of looks that they've run uh, this year. Um, onside kicks... I mean, like Ryan said, it's the feel of the game. You you have to pick your spots to do stuff like that. You can't just, I mean, if you get the opening kickoff, you go down, you kick a field goal, you're not going, all right, time to onside kick. Because, no, 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 because, no, I wouldn't do that. Right. I think we score a touchdown, you know, and we've tied the game up. 
Sure. I mean, if it's, you know, towards the end of the game and everyone's emotions are high and, you know, it's it's the time to, you know, pull the quarter out from behind the ear. You know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. Catch him off guard. It's That is why trick plays work is because the other team is not expecting them. I would lean – I would say this. I'm collecting my thoughts. I would say I would lean later. If you're doing the onside kick, I would lean later. And if the game score is higher because, yeah. because yeah. I don't want – to say, okay, you've stopped them three out of the last four possessions. Now try and do it on a thirty-eight yeah. yard field. If, if you're up ten to seven and you you've you just kicked a field goal to go up ten to seven, yeah, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, no, your defense is playing if, lights out. Let them play. If you have magically scored thirty-five points through three quarters and it's thirty-five, the thirty-one somehow early fourth, that might be the time. That might be the time. All right, and Brent, I believe you said you watched the Egg Bowl last night. I did. Okay, and that really wasn't maybe so much of a trick play. Uh, maybe a kind of surprise play, but I would do something like that. You remember, it was like third and two, I think. Uh, I'd always had the ball uh, in Mississippi State's side of the field, I think the 25-yard line, and uh, everybody thought they were going to go you know, run it and try to get, you know, just grind it and get, a third, get the first down. And instead, everybody bunched up on the line of scrimmage, and he just threw a wide-open receiver who went in for a touchdown. Yeah. About something like that. The, yeah, that's, that's called a pop pass. When you have that tight end okay. who fakes block and he runs straight up the middle and you throw yeah. it to him when he's five yards downfield, it's called a pop pass. And, yeah, I, I would absolutely run something like this in this game. If it's third and one or fourth and one and you're lining up to go for it, that's something I'd have in my playbook for sure. All right. So who do you think, guys, uh, from your best intel inside sources, is going to be doing the play calling tomorrow? Uh, I would say that the uh, I would go with what Freeze has done the last few weeks, which the plays on the play sheet are going to be Freeze, but the calls in the game are predominantly going to be Montgomery. I think that Freeze is going to put a lot of their past stuff on the on the play sheet, uh, and then make that available for Montgomery to call. Uh, and then I'm sure it'll be <laughs> sure it'll be a little situational. No, no one wants to hear that. I'm sure that if there's a third and five at midfield in the second quarter. Freeze might jump in on that if it's a pass play, something he's put on the sheet specifically for that situation. But again, I think that more than not in the pregame planning is going to be on Freeze, and the call it I think will be more than not Montgomery. So let's say it's a critical, crucial fourth down, fourth and two on Alabama side of the field. Who do you think is going to decide whether to punt it or go for it? Well, the, the decision making will right. come from the head yeah. coach, and that's that's universal. That's every level of football. Okay. Yeah. What what coaches do then is what what play do you have for me if I go for them fourth and two, and then and, and you then, better know what that yeah, play is right, on third right, and five. Right. And, and so uh, then he'll make a decision sometimes based on that play, or sometimes it'll it'll be worded. I'm I'm going to go for it. What do you have? And then if Freeze doesn't like it, he might call his own play or. You know that that dynamic could change coach to coach, but situation to situation. But it, it's never. Hey, it, it's very it's very uncommon for the coach to be like, "Hey, do you think we should go for it?" No, the head coach makes that decision. Okay, gotcha. All right, about tomorrow's game, guys. How many of you guys going to be able to attend it? All of us in uh, professional capacities. Yes. Okay, so you can't yell any obscenities like I do. Then I will mutter them to Brant. <laughs> <laughs> And Brant will mow them to me. Correct. And I will mow them to uh, myself. All right. Well, saw the weather forecast. It looks like it's excellent uh, temperature. It's going to be like yes. 60, 62 degrees. Yep. Excellent uh, iron not, ball weather. Not very much of a wind. Uh, curious, uh, you guys going down College Street uh, today or yesterday? Yeah, we were just talking. Well, I, I think those guys, the way they came in from Georgia, they did not. I, I did for half of it. I didn't go... 
I did not go by the university. I know that's probably the part of college you were wanting to know about. I went South College uh, from Shug on to where our station is. So I was just curious, uh, what was the ratio that you saw anyway of uh, Auburn versus Alabama campus and RVs? Yeah, again, I, I didn't see the RV part of it, unfortunately. I could tell you I was behind an Alabama car on Shug. Uh, but that's, that's not uncommon, but, really. Uh, but that happens any, any part of the day or okay. week. Yeah. And I saw that they were selling uh, – I guess exclusively only at stadium, uh, these Yeti uh, cups with the 2013 uh, kick six uh, um, uh, Rod Brown's uh, phrasing on there. Did you know that? I did not. Uh, I could yeah. have. They're uh, going for sixty bucks. I could have. I could have reached out to a contact in the concession world, but I but I had not done that yet. Yeah. Oh, so and I suspect I guess Chris Davis will be there, right? Because yes. I know the 2013 team will be honored. I bet a lot of those, yeah. I yeah. bet a lot of them will be there. So, having said that, guys, not to bring up a sore subject, but I saw Mick Marshall has been supposedly charged with some gun ownership possession, illegal. Uh, do you think he'll be there, or is he in jail somewhere? He, I don't, I don't know if he's still in jail. He did go to jail. I don't know if he's still there, but uh, yeah, he was in Columbus, and uh, I think he had an unregistered firearm or, or multiple unregistered firearms. So, uh, I. I would not. It would not shock me if Nick Marshall didn't show up. Oh, that's sad to hear him. Um, you know, get, get arrested something like that. Yeah. I. Yeah. Again. Um, yeah. Oh well. All right, guys. Uh, that's all I've got. I ran out of any more rambling. Oh, wait a minute. I, I lied. There is one thing today in history that happened in basketball in the NBA. Uh, 1960, and that record has not been broken yet. The hundred point game. Mm, not no. quite. Who, who did this in uh, 1960? Who, who did what? It's an, NBA oh, yeah. record. it's an NBA record. It has not been done yet. What? It's not been broken. Can you say what the record is, or would that be a dead giveaway? Okay. The most rebounds in a single game. I still, I yeah, mean, I, I, I would still the, think Chamberlain. Maybe Bill right? Russell then. Chamberlain? You got it. Wilt the Stilt. He did it. All right. Uh, that did, sounds about right. He, he snagged 55 rebounds. Yep. Against the Boston Celtics. All right. He did not like that nickname, uh, Wilt Stilt. And uh, amazingly, he broke another unbelievable record in which he accounted for 100 of his team's 169 points in a game against the New York Knicks in 1962. Yeah, that was the other record I was referring to. Had ever scored in one game. Has that record been broken? Nope. No. 81 in second. Kobe got 81. Yeah, Kobe. Yep. Wow. Okay, that's all I got, guys. Hey, again, thank you. And to all those staff behind the scenes, I don't, don't know you guys. You are so much appreciated. You make my day every day. With that said, guys, I hope you have an enjoyable time tomorrow. And I hope to gosh, we might be talking about an upset come Monday. Yes, sir. But if not, hopefully we make, at least we beat the point spread. Yes, sir. All right, guys. War Eagle, have a safe afternoon and weekend. War Eagle, Steve, you too. That is retired War Dam Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to head to our final timeout of hour number one. Back with more on the Iron Bowl after this.
looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. Appreciate Retired MC for joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401-Nuclear-Toll-Free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. About five minutes left here in this first hour of the program. Of course, many more Iron Bolts. Uh, iron Bolts? Whoa. Uh, no lightning inside the stadium tomorrow. Uh, Going to be pretty hopefully. clear skies. Yeah, uh, maybe lightning fast runs uh, mm. from hopefully only yes. Auburn players. One can hope. Anyway, yes. uh, when we start to continue to break this thing down, we talked first segment about tone setting and most important thing to watch out for to start the game. Let me progress to this: Is there one particular player outside of the quarterbacks? Uh, for either team that interests you the most, that you feel need to have a big game, that is especially important to the success one way or the other? For Auburn, I'm going to say whoever's following uh, Jermaine Burton, that uh, that dude is a lightning rod. We talked about it on Monday or Tuesday, Ryan. He's averaging 22 yards a catch. Yep. Jeez. That is ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. Um, so whoever is covering him, whether it's Nehemiah Pritchett or uh, DJ James, TJ, both of which DJ James. got senior bowl invites. By yep. Way. Yeah. Good, I, I, Good job, if guys. I, if I'm the defensive game planner, um, and I'm certainly not, didn't, didn't play defense, don't understand defense like I understand offense, um, but if I'm the defensive game planner, I'm having DJ James follow him around. Because DJ James is a really good cover corner. I agree. And Jermaine, and you need to put your best guy on Jermaine Burton. You can't. We you talk about the zone versus man schemes, whatever. Auburn's going to mix in this game because they've mixed all year. They're going to show a bunch of different looks, and they're going to bring a bunch of different blitzes, and they're going to play tons of different coverage. They're going to they're going to go through this in a very cerebral defense. But at the end of the day, I want DJ James sticking to Jermaine Burton like white on rice because that is the only chance you have to keep that guy limited. He's going to get his. You can't stop him, but you can contain him, and you can contain him with a really good corner in DJ James. Um, and I also think that Jalen Simpson's going to have to play a part in that. Yeah, I, I expect Auburn will have two deep safeties for most of this game because of Alabama's can, offensive yeah. philosophy of throw the ball as far as you can and let one of these freak athletes run underneath it. So... I expect Auburn to have at least two safeties high most of the game and to try and prevent the deep ball. And, you know, whatever happens underneath, it just kind of has to happen. 
get rally to the ball, make the tackle. Don't don't let a five yard game become a twelve yard gain. That's the kind of defense that I expect Auburn to play. Yeah, not not getting beat by the deep ball. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And then uh, I think for Auburn on the offensive side of the ball, I think Fair, Rivaldo Fairweather needs to be heavily yeah. involved in the offense, um, like he has been in 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 all these weeks. Uh, and I think that needs to fully continue. Um, and I, I mean, you know, we can hope that you know some of the wide receivers will. Um, just have a, a higher impact overall in the game, but I think that in terms of pass catchers, it has to be Rivaldo Fairweather that has to have a good, consistent game. Um, and then if you can lean on the run game as well a little bit, um, I think I think Auburn's offense will will be pretty defense out, pretty decent outside of quarterback play, which is obviously highly necessary to even get this the the offense to be successful. For me, I think when you're looking at Auburn, I have this will continue my theme of talking about something similar in different ways because I find it to be very important. I think the I look, I think I think James is incredibly important. I, I think that the defensive backfield is incredibly important. However, I am just gung ho about this now. It's I fundamentally have just changed the way I've thought about this the last couple of years, and I it's gonna take a while for me to get off of it. They're going to have to get pressure, and it's going to need to be Jalen McLeod. Um, McLeod had a breakout game two games ago, had his three sacks, player of the week awards, was big time. And if there's one guy that I feel can do that consistently, sure, Harris or somebody up the middle will have a big TFL at some point. He'll, he'll, He'll win his matchup from time to time. But we know that defensive tackles, unless your name is like Aaron Donald or Warren Sapp, are not usually factoring in too much on the actual statistics of pass rushing. They might factor in because you have to account an extra body for them. They will do great work in the run game. It's, again, something game plan-wise you have to account for, but they are not usually the one bringing the quarterback on the ground. And especially when you have a mobile quarterback and it's going to be up to these rush ends to not only build the pressure on the quarterback, but to contain... Because Jalen Milrow is going to be as fast or faster than anyone on the field at all times. The defensive ends have an extra job there. If you're playing someone that is of a slower, like, again, no disrespect to Carson Beck. Like, he's fine. He's 20 years old. He can run a little bit. We could all run a little bit at 20. (laughs) But if you're playing Carson Beck, you're not necessarily worried as much about gap integrity and rush lane integrity. But with Jalen Milrow, when he's as fast as your DBs, like, yeah, that's a big deal if he gets out of the pocket running with football. Ask LSU. I know LSU can't cover anything, but they also couldn't catch him at any time because they were not really covering receivers well and they were not accounting for the quarterback well. So Jalen McLeod, single most important player for me outside of quarterbacks because, yes, look, in, in general, Auburn offense line important. Yes, Auburn needs a wide receiver step up. I don't know if it's Fairweather, who might be a little less than 100% in this game. I don't know which wide receiver it's going to be or Jarquez Hunter having a big game. Like That's still in relationship to offensive line play. But Jalen McLeod needs to have a great game because if it's not him – I'm not sure who else is going to be incredibly productive or consistently productive at least. And and Jalen McLeod and those defensive ends are just going to have such an important job, not only, again, trying to get him on the ground, but also making sure you don't take a, a pass rush play 
and turn it into a 20-yard run. That's it for hour number one, but still way more ahead on the Iron Bowl. Still more ahead on some of these other great games coming up this weekend in college football. We're watching college football in the office right now. It's great. We love it. So we'll continue to talk all things college football and the Iron Bowl on the other side of this timeout. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call underway, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brant Dontry with you here on this Friday before the Iron Bowl, under 24 hours away from the 88th Iron Bowl inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. Of course, we're going to continue to preview that right now. A little bit later, we will get to some other college football games, but uh, we're breaking this down every which way we talked about on the other side of that break important player outside of the quarterback that could make the biggest impact in this game so now let's talk a little bit about Peyton Thorne as if we don't do that a lot uh Peyton Thorne started to show signs uh the Marv Albert showing signs uh for the run of SEC play obviously the whole football team did New Mexico State, it was not like it was bad when he threw the ball, but there was obviously not a great recognition of the defenses, had to scramble a lot, uh, tried to street ball a little bit. What does he need to do well on Saturday, and what's the best position to put him in to do well on Saturday? I think well, I, I talked about it earlier. Auburn's offensive line is has struggled against good defensive lines against good defensive fronts as a whole uh, this year. So game plan-wise, first of all, your offensive line has to play above their heads. That's that's just a given. Those five guys up there are going to have to do better than is expected of them. That sucks. You, you help them out by leaving a tight end in, uh, leave a running back in to block a little bit, help them out in any way you can, but those five guys are going to have to do their jobs better than they have done them this year. Um, but also, you can game plan around – have quick stuff. I mean, slants and quick crossers and throw a couple of screens in there. Um, we had a caller a couple of weeks ago talk about, well, why don't we throw more screens to the running back? I think that's a good idea. Let let the, the rush come, then throw it over their heads to Jerk West Hunter, who has a, a, a convoy in front of him. 
you're going to have to scheme around the fact that your offensive line is at a disadvantage when it comes to the passing game. And I think if you can do that, Peyton Thorne has shown an ability to get the ball out of his hands quickly and on target if you can, if the receiver is open. Uh, he has also made a couple of very poor throws this year that have been returned for interceptions on such things. So it can't be just one read stuff. It's got to be stuff where he can look at the defense and go, hey, they're doing this. That means that this guy is open and he yeah, has to get it to the right guy. Yeah, get, yeah. get it to the right guy, but make that a very quick read where you only have to read the line the linebacker drops back, okay, there's something coming underneath him. Easy. You know, quick stuff uh that gives Peyton Thorne just one little post snap read and says, Okay, I'm going to this guy. And that's going to be have to guess going to have to be most of it. If you're going to do the deep shots, it's got to come off a of play action. You've got to freeze that defensive line for even just a second um, to allow the guys to get downfield. And I think Auburn has shown that they have uh, passing atta- passing schemes that go deep downfield a couple of times this year um, and that are not just those, those fade routes or those go routes, whatever. They have the ability to run deep posts. They have run post wheel a um, hundred times in the latter half of the season, and it's been successful more often than not. Um, they run, they've run dagger a couple of times. I'd like to see that scheme, uh, which is where you have one guy running a go route that clears out the deep safety. And then one guy, and then the other guy following him cuts underneath and goes to the, the area that was just vacated by that go route. Um, stuff like that. And if you're going to run that kind of thing, it has to come off of play action, and you have to have extra blockers other than this, just those five offensive linemen. You know, I, I think with with Peyton Thorne, you know, last week again he he scrambled a lot, uh, had had to at times. Also, just offensive line play giving up four sacks, not good. Missed four to five guys, ten to fifteen yards down the field. Some of that stuff was there, and it was just was never at the right time or the right spot. And I think that in this game, he's going to have to not be afraid to take chances. And I know that the tendency yeah. is, oh, you want to protect the ball in a rivalry game. When you're the underdog, got to take I, some risks. And, and given what happened last weekend, I, I just don't think Auburn can kind of put its hands on its knees and just kind of just – hope for the best and expect you to be able to go toe for toe. I know that they did that in 21 when they weren't as good of a team. I can't, I still, that, that speaks to how iron balls can get wonky because I, again, to know that that could have been any ways a different one play, any, at any point Auburn wins is, is still kind of unbelievable to wrap the head up around. I just don't think that Auburn has the same type of team. They really got after Bryce Young in that game. I yeah. mean, again, yeah. and I and that's why I'm putting so much onus on McLeod because Auburn, if Auburn wants any shot at, at really keeping this low, low, then I just think that they're going to have to disrupt everything that Milrose trying to do. Um, and like I said, I just don't think Auburn can win the higher end type of scoring game in this. So there's only a certain amount of space they can operate in and and have a uh, a real shot at it. But I think when you're looking at Peyton Thorne, you're not going to be able to scramble 18 times. I know it wasn't 18. That's an exaggeration. But 8, 9, 10 times and, and constantly be the way that you move the ball every single drive. You might, you'll might you have a scramble here or there that will be uh, necessitated and will be important. And, again, he has shown more wheels than I gave him credit for. I was 100% wrong on that. He's done a far better job running the football 
this year than I thought he would. He's got more speed. They hopefully will have a Georgia-like play where Alabama's like, he won't run, and then he runs for 30 or 40 yards. But in all likelihood, again, you're not going to pick up seven first downs scrambling just on drop-back passes. So what I'm looking for is you do take a couple deep shots. Um, you got to be educated with them. You can't predetermine you're doing it. Because I feel like that's what always happened when Ashford came in the game. Because naturally, yes. you're either running with Ashford or trying to make a big play, a, sh- a shock pass play. Yeah. And so it was predetermined, I'm going to throw it. Well, okay, there's still levels to it. And if there's three people down there defending, probably not. Yeah. Uh, just chuck yeah. it away or, or do something else with it. Uh, so I don't mean at all cost. If, if Kool-Aid and Caleb Downs... Uh, and you know, someone like Terry and Arnold's down there probably don't do that if they're if they're all down there. Uh, but you know, I, I think that uh, if they've got a one on one, it's worth taking a couple shots. I think that I want to see how Alabama plays it in terms of space they allow because Auburn against the weaker SEC opponents, and I, I'm going to be critical of the other team. Thank you for doing this. They were giving receivers 9 and 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, which I can't fathom on earth why you would do that against Auburn's receivers. They are not overly explosive. They've not proven they can hit a bunch of big plays. Yeah, right. And most of the big plays they've hit in the passing game have been Rivaldo Fairweather yeah. for like 20 and 30-yard gashes. So like that's not even a speed thing. That, that was a play design or a missed coverage or, or whatever. So if I'm Alabama, I'm not giving them 10 yards. I'm giving them four. I'm pressing. I am playing some man. I'm making you yeah, win matchups. Absolutely. Uh, and if Alabama's going to play eight, 10 yards off, then Auburn on first and 10 needs five-yard stop. Yep. Catch it. See if he makes a miss. He may not, but that's still five yards because you just played off of him yep. by too many yards. If they're going to do that, I would do it and do it and do it and do it because I'm I'm almost to the point, given what we saw against, again, the Arkansas, Mississippi State, Vandy, when they were getting five, six yards completions before they occasionally got the big one. That's almost as like I think that's at least as likely for you to be a competent way of avoiding third and long than is Auburn going to run on first and second down. Right Now, again, I'm not saying you just ignore the run, too, because I get it. There are gashes. Jarquest Hunter, that's something that you expected to lean on this year. And it was mixed results until, again, everything looked better for three games. And then they got zero push against New Mexico State. So maybe I'm having too much New Mexico State stock in my brain. But, again, if, and it's a big if because I wouldn't if I was Kevin Steele, but if Alabama's going to play 8 to 10 yards off on the edges – Five yards, turn and throw. Five yeah. yards, turn and throw. Five yards, slant. Five yard curl. Five, just five, five yard the passing game to death. And then when they finally start to jump it, that's your pump fake and go. And then at the very minimum, you hope that, yeah, they might have a safety help, but then that would become a one-on-one because hopefully the receiver toasted the DB for jumping the, the five-yard stop. So that's the kind of thing that I'm looking for is – Peyton Thorne is going in the most amount of passes will be five to seven yard passes but you're going to do that to set up the one big play that you need to hit the one big play that you really are looking forward to having a one-on-one finally and having something down the field you can go to because it looked like something that you did all year or it looked like you did something all first half long. That's the thing that I'm looking for them capitalizing on is give it, make it look simple for a period of time 
make it look as they're absolutely fighting in the Arkansas-Missouri game. I'm sorry, there are helmets flying. Oh, and, yeah, they're really fighting. Uh, that's getting chippy. That has become a rivalry no, we, over the last several years. We are past chippy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is this they, is, this is full-on fisticuffs. Of, yep, yeah, so. just from the last play, they got a uh, Arkansas rough the passer, uh, rough Brady Cook as he was throwing the ball uh, out of bounds, and that was a little scuffle, and then – this is now the next yep. so yeah. of that. Helmet, yeah. helmets are uh, refs hats are off because they had to throw too many flags so i'm sorry i got that's rivalries folks and uh, we'll see if <laughs> the, something it. like that happens this weekend but uh back to the point i just think that you have got to again steve asked us about tr- plays it's not necessarily the terrell zachary reverse it's not necessarily the the fake punt it's not necessarily uh something you know trying to get alabama with 12 men on the field no. It is oh, <laughs> but if you the read option bad, that you bad. did all year long for thirty times a game, wait, you could throw yeah. off of make that? it look as basic it, as possible until it's not right. Exactly, <laughs> that's that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Tendency breakers, yes. Yeah. So like so what what we're what you're talking about is, you know, it, have that. Uh, I I think there have been a couple of times this year where Auburn's run a split zone motion, which is uh, you make you run a handoff, uh, you run inside zone. But you have the tight end coming across from the backside to the play side, and he kicks out the defensive end on the play side. Or you can do it, you can flip that, whatever. Um, but yeah, have that motion come, make it look like split zone, and then throw it to the tight end off of that motion. They've done that a couple of times this year, but that's the kind of thing that Auburn needs to. You're, the, the things you're talking about, those five to six yard plays, that's the kind of thing that Auburn needs to do to execute in this game. I'm going to give you a question. Feel free to say no. Heck no. Dumb question. <laughs> Are you sure you just asked that? You're, okay. you're a 6-5 you're a and five team that's uh-huh. a, a multi-touchdown underdog at home. There are no dumb suggestions. Maybe still it. one. Let's hear <laughs> Hold up. Any thought at any point for any reason for Robbie Asher to come in the game? No. Oh. No. If it's first and goal from the two, <laughs> I mean – I. You want you want to run some kind of wildcat look, and you trust him more than you trust Jarquez Hunter for whatever reason. Um, you, maybe you want to run a quarterback sneak, and you think Thorne's a little too small for that. Robbie's a bigger guy. You can have him run a quarterback sneak, but then do you want Robbie Ashford getting up under center where he's never been his entire life? Uh, I don't. That that's not one hundred percent true, but certainly not what he's used to running. Um, if you it, it, tendency breakers, right? Auburn yeah. has not run with Robbie Ashford in a while. They have shown, but. If you have something that you haven't shown with Robbie Ashford and his package has been very light uh, in this season and you want to break something out in the red zone that you haven't shown all year, I think that's possible. I think you could have something there because Robbie Ashford actually had a pretty decent game against Alabama last year. Um, not just running the ball, but he, I mean, we talk about the one the right. one great throw that he made in his time at Auburn's, as Auburn's quarterback came against Alabama, but he also played really well running the ball in that game. So if you want to pull out some kind of draw for him or you want to you want to run the the cam newton qb power read um it's something like that maybe but it would certainly not be something i leaned on it yeah. would be it would be a tool in my toolbox that i went to once or twice yeah and, I, I can agree to that okay i can agree to that uh the reason i asked is just because it's not even like oh well, the offense kind of sputtered last week it's not that it's that it we maybe the best version of it all year long was interestingly enough against Georgia, yeah, which is the team Absolutely. most right. like Alabama, right? And that's the only reason I give a thought to it. However, for all the reasons we said back then, 
taking Thorn potentially out of rhythm. The repercussions of if you do it and you have a fumble because the exchange has not been done in a couple weeks, yeah. or you know, I thought even <laughs> first single the three, you're talking Wildcat the 2017, and, and this has been duplicated several times, but the 2017 carry-on jump pass. Yeah. It's like maybe you run it in the line on first and goal, and maybe you score, or maybe you don't, and then second and goal, then it's the jump pass. But, again... Hey, Missouri just ran the QB power read that I was talking about. <laughs> but, nice. again, Lord forbid you do have the jump pass, and it's picked off or something. Oh, my God. I think that every coach that should just would go explode. ahead and leave and then <laughs> let the players call it from then on, because it just it would be second, third, fourth, fifth guess. So I'm yeah. not sure... The reward is worth the risk. It would have to be a goal line situation. Yeah. And maybe even later in the game to where there's evidence that you're not going to be able to get it in just straight up uh, if you are sticking with base offense, base stuff, and that sort of thing. So, again, just thought I'd ask because of the history of Ashford uh, at least having some success against Georgia and, uh, in theory, bringing something different to the table. We're going to take our next time out of the show when we come back more iron bowl we'll also talk some of the other games going on across college football today and tomorrow you're listening to the friday edition of sports call on tiger Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday talking all things Iron Bowl. Also need to talk some other college football. We'll go ahead and do some of that right now. I'm sure uh, we'll try to dominate the 5 o'clock hour with more Iron Bowl. Uh, there's games going on right now. Missouri and Arkansas. K.J. Jefferson already got hurt. That one's... Three players hurt. got ejected. Uh, three players got ejected from those skirmishes. Um so that game is well on its way to being kind of what we thought it would be with Missouri uh, heavily in the lead there. Got a big one in uh, the state of Oregon tonight, Oregon and Oregon State. That's another checkpoint for Bo Nix's Heisman campaign. Also for Oregon still trying to get in the playoff. We're here. We got one week in po- end up conference championships, and still eight teams, I feel, can make the four-team playoff. And so that one's a big one there. Also Texas, Texas Tech, not necessarily right. – has to be a close game. Could be. Texas has not been emphatic the last few weeks. Is a bit of a rivalry. Texas Tech will say goodbye to Texas. Well, last time they played, and we saw how that went for Oklahoma State in Oklahoma. 
Uh, that's why Oklahoma State controls its destiny to make the Big 12 title game. But Texas is still very much alive in the playoff race, too. So two rivalry games, maybe of differing mentalities for the other team, because Oregon State can still have a back. I think Oregon State still got a crack at the Pac-12 title game if they win this, actually. Uh, so anyway, there, there's some scenarios. But uh, the, these two teams in particular, Oregon and Texas, playoff aspirations, playing your rivals today. What do you think about those two teams? Uh, I, I expect them to both to win pretty easily. Uh, but like you said, I expected Oklahoma to kind of roll over Oklahoma State, and that didn't happen. Um, I'm very interested in watching Bo Nix. I think he is the best version of himself. He's the version of himself that uh, was promised at Auburn, but Auburn never quite got uh, for, <sighs> for for multiple reasons. I just don't think they unlocked it yet. Well, it, I, I've, I've got thoughts – I've got several thoughts, uh, and part part of it's the you know the coaching turnover and the yes. the talent was uh, fa- was failing, and yes. you know it got only it only got worse, and you know it, Bo Nix's journey to Oregon is well documented, but uh, watching what he's doing at Oregon is super impressive. I know that they throw a lot of screens, and people are like, oh, he doesn't throw the deep ball ever, which isn't true. He just does throw a lot of screens. He also throws a lot of very beautiful deep balls. Uh, but I'm, I'm just super interested in watching Oregon play because I think Oregon has a chance to backdoor their way into the into the college football playoff. If they if they win out and beat Washington in the Pac-12 title game, they have been one of the best teams in college yes. football all year. They have redeemed their one loss uh, and done so on a neutral field, and they have won the Pac-12. They're in the final year of the Pac-12, they're the best team, and that's been one of the most fun conferences to watch this year. So I think that Oregon... Uh, is uh, is certainly a much uh, is certainly a team worth watching. The Texas thing is interesting because I was having this discussion. I have an uncle who went to Georgia and, and is a big time Georgia fan, and we were talking about college football playoff implications. What happens if Texas wins the Big Twelve, which they would have to win tonight to do, um, and then Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC title game? That's a very possible outcome. But then you've got Alabama, who lost in week two and then won the SEC championship. You've got Georgia, who hasn't lost all year and only lost to Alabama, but they look dominant otherwise. And then you've got Texas, who does have one loss, and it was to a not very good team, but they beat the SEC champion. So does the SEC get left out of the playoff at that point? That's That, I think, is the most interesting possibility, and it we it could very well happen. I still think that you would include Georgia. I I, I still, even if they if they lose to Alabama, yeah, I still think you would include Georgia because they've been. I know they didn't win the SEC, but they've been dominant throughout the entirety of the season for the most part, outside of that one loss per se, right? So do you, you put two it, SEC teams in? I don't know. I don't know if you can put two SEC teams you, in. You cannot put two SEC teams in it's when tough. It's tough Texas, because, Texas has one loss and right. they beat one of and the teams beat, that was in. Right. I just and I just don't think that you if if Texas wins. This the is Big, why it's if, interesting. If Texas wins the Big Twelve title, right? If they if they win that Big Twelve title, Alabama wins the SEC championship. It, 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 I, I think it would be. You might be right. I mean, uh, and I think Georgia's out in that out. situation. I, I, I think Georgia's out on that situation. As, as dominant as they to fall all the way, just from what they would fall from, probably like one to five, right? Yeah, they, it would. That, they would have to be five at that point. Then you'd probably move Alabama. No, yeah. Ah, ooh, that's tough. You're right. Yeah, that's tough. It's be, a tough. It's a I, tough scenario I, because, ju- for my opinion personally, I don't think Alabama can jump Texas in any way, shape, or form. 
because they beat Te- yeah they, 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 they played head to head and they and they played Alabama in, lost. they played in, in Alabama in Tuscaloosa. in Tuscaloosa they lost I don't see how unless Texas loses I don't see Alabama jumping Texas in any way um, uh, who was who had this conversation I think it was Greg McElroy was talking about it a little bit and he was like it, that would be Alabama that would be oh my goodness Corey Schrader that would be um, <laughs> or Cody Schrader excuse me. They um, Missouri has gashed Arkansas yeah, with outside killing. zone this he's entire have, game. He's going to have close to 200 yards already, and it's not even halftime yeah, yet. I think he does. Um, uh, he said that it would be really the the committee's worst case scenario if that were to happen, because then you either have to choose if a Texas team that beat Alabama that hasn't looked as good kind of down the stretch, uh, but the head-to-head is already there. They played early in the season against the Alabama team that wins the SEC, and, and um, you know, they, they've already they've already beat Georgia. They do the things like that, so you kind of want – you kind of think you should put them in the playoff. And he's saying that then, you know, if they were to put Alabama over Texas – then he's saying that that then you're kind of saying that the head-to-head doesn't matter, like the games don't matter throughout the season because they played. They, I mean, it's right. You you, co- you don't have to have a hypothetical. They played, and, and if you were to put Texas in over over um or excuse me uh, Alabama in over Texas, then what's the point of the games? It just kind of doesn't make as much sense. So it it, it kind of is a nightmare scenario. Um, and my my thought would be that I think you'd probably not have an SEC team in the playoff. Um, I think that would be the the most interesting thing, um, but man, that yeah, that I mean, that would be an absolute um, conundrum for the committee. In all honesty, yeah, we talked about this on the show about two weeks ago on a Wednesday. Yeah, it we was did. still the same. We have not bled anyone the last you know. two weeks. Yep. It, yeah, it's been the same eight teams. They have not hurt their positions at all. Uh, the only position that became more fragile was due to an injury in Jordan Travis at Florida State. Right. Uh, it, but but no one has lost here. Everyone has still been all, all business. And I, I'm just telling you, I've said it for two weeks. I'm going to say it this week. I'm going to say it next week. This is going to be an appropriate way to send the four-team playoff out because <laughs> right, someone yeah, will so be right. ju- not someone will be so, mad yes. as someone's always mad. Right? Someone will be justifiably, justifiably mad. mad. Yeah. Uh, and, and and so I I'm kind of here for it as someone that has barked for twelve teams or or not twelve necessarily, but for more than four for an expansion uh, for since the almost the day it was born. Uh, this is going to be an appropriate way to say goodbye to it. And, and again, I, some will still fight back and say, oh, well, this is like one time or maybe two if you count 2014 the two Big 12 teams. Great. There should never be a season where it happens once. We, you can say what you want about, well, there'll always be a team arguing. Yeah, but I don't, I don't say as much as I – and I argue too because it's, it's, I feel it's my job to argue all the relevant points. Sure, Team 69 absolutely says, no, it's not nice we got left out of the NCAA basketball tournament. Like, absolutely they get mad. That and, was – oh, my God, And wow. sometimes <laughs> – and sometimes – those teams have legitimate gripes, okay? Sometimes they did the wrong thing in the right. NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah, that that can sure. happen. Absolutely. But I don't have the same sympathy for that team because you're still talking about like a 13-loss yeah, team or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Like at the end of the day, like, yeah, you had two more quad one wins and great. You still went four and eight quad one. And like, I know that you're not as good as so many other teams, right? And you can still say, oh, well, I've pretty – 
pretty dang confident that you know six is not as good as two or whatever. But that that's not the point because we can miss that. That's a too small of a range to where we're always going to get it perfect. But I know that once we get to eight or ten or twelve teams, whatever, and it's going to be twelve. I know we won't miss a, a deserving team at 13. 13 might have an argument over 12 because 12 may not belong there either. But that's not going to be uh, a situation where, oh, yeah, 13 should have been playing for a title. If you have two or three losses, that's when we're starting to get debatable uh, if you're really that good or not. But these teams, even if, you know, if Washington and Oregon split this year in a vacuum, I'm sorry they didn't prove that they shouldn't be playing for a title. The Ohio State Michigan loser again. You don't ha- you don't have to even keep it local with Alabama versus Georgia. Ohio State Michigan in a vacuum. If Ohio State loses that game, it is at Michigan, correct? I believe it is. Yes, uh, yes, in, yes. It, it is in Ann Arbor. If Ohio State loses by a score on the road, I don't think that says yeah they shouldn't competed for a national title at the end of the year. Really? We're going to do that because they they still beat everyone in their conference and they beat a. I know it's not great, but beat a top twenty five Notre Dame team. And so they can't compete for the title. Sure, in a four-team scenario, yes. I'm not saying I'm not arguing for these teams to get in in this four-team scenario, but I'm saying the four-team scenario is a flawed scenario. If yeah, that's what we're sure. talking yeah. about. So Absolutely. I know again, I, I think I've said that eight times over the last three weeks. So I, again, I, I'm beating a dead horse at this point. But hey, Ryan, is the four-team playoff flawed? Yeah, <laughs> it's really flawed. <laughs> But I'm not going to recount the last five minutes of the show to tell you why again. <laughs> you missed it. Check out the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Nice. But anyway, Texas Tech, or excuse me, Texas and Oregon are roughly about 14-point favorites at home tonight. Obviously, Oregon State has a few more chops than Texas Tech throughout the year, a few more gnaws, if you will, for the Beavers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Texas Tech still has that factor of yeah we want one more in texas you you better believe that it doesn't matter where we're playing this game you want one more in texas and quinn here is coming back from that injury he's been fine but it is something you get hit there the monitor so i'm a little more uneasy about texas just because they've not been flying through teams even though i think oregon state is better than texas tech but those are two really important playoff games tonight the committee is going to be rooting for an upset start to whittle this thing down a little (laughs) bit uh, but again, the the home favorites by about 14 points, Oregon and Texas, and again, both of those locked themselves into their conference title games with a win. Uh, it, I'm sure Texas would rather play Oklahoma for a resume building experience. However, if Oklahoma State uh, beats, I believe it's Houston. I want to ah, say tomorrow, be Baylor, BYU. Baylor. Ah, insert 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 your joining the league team here. It's BYU, who's five and six. If Oklahoma State wins, they're in the Big 12 uh, title game, and they're going to play Texas. If Texas beats Texas Tech, they're in the Big 12 title game. The Big 12, by the way, does not want Texas to lose because then all hell bro- yeah. breaks loose. Yeah, they, have and no, they have no bid. Three and four-way ties, and they're out of the playoff, and everything hurts, and uh, then they say goodbye to Texas Oklahoma anyway. So uh, <laughs> very confusing if Texas were to lose, but certainly the playoff committee would be a fan. It would help them out just a little bit. But those are the two big games coming up here in the next couple of hours. We're going to take another timeout when we come back. We'll again progress back to Saturday. More Iron Bowl thoughts. And again, thoughts on some of the other teams around the country, some of the other big rivalry games coming up on Saturday. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Cam Berry with you here. Again, we'll get back to the Iron Bowl here in just a few minutes. Do want to go ahead and mention a couple other big games coming up on Saturday, uh, including uh, what is, again, nationally huge, Ohio State and Michigan. It feels for all the world. I know Iowa continues to win by 13 to 10 <laughs> every week. But wins but, are wins. Wins are wins. But I feel for all the world that uh, the winner of this game will beat Iowa in the Big Ten title game and therefore will be the representative from the Big Ten in the playoff game – or in the playoffs, excuse me. Ohio State comes in at number two, Michigan at number three. Michigan three-and-a-half-point favorites on their home field. Michigan has won this game pretty decidedly the last two years after uh, years of disappointment against the Buckeyes. And, of course, we know all the hoopla that's gone on with Michigan the last few weeks, so Harbaugh will not be on the sideline. So, does that matter? And do you think Michigan makes it three in a row? I'm not really sure how much it matters. It just it seems like just head top to bottom, the coaching staff seems to have the same philosophy in terms of how they're making game planning decisions, things like that. I know you can't account for all of it when you're trying to make certain type of judgment calls, um, but I feel like they all kind of follow the same line of thinking that Har- Harbaugh um, has. So I, I think I don't I don't know I don't know if it'll it'll make too much of a difference i i don't remember who i picked to win this game if i'm being 100 off off the top of my head i think i picked ohio state but how do you feel at this moment i still think (laughs) i still think and lean ohio state um just just a hair um i don't think michigan is as good as they were last year but the schedule has just been so insanely weak that it's i mean this is going to be the toughest game of the season for them this is good i i really think i mean i just think ohio state has played a bit of tougher opponents i know i know notre dame has fallen off and and not been as good in the back half of the season but i still think they're a pretty solid team um and so i i think that still is a bit of a litmus test for how decent you are um you know, if you're if you're Ohio State, so I, I still do lean. Um, I still do lean Ohio State just just a little bit. Um, oh my gosh, what? And um, yeah, so so I, I I yeah, I think I'm gonna still go Ohio State. I do. I don't think that the coaching is gonna make much of a difference um, in who's you know who's coaching for for Michigan. But yeah, um, that that's kind of how I see I see it playing out. I still think it's gonna be a high scoring game. I think it's gonna be a good game. Um, but I, I, th- I think Ohio State's going to pull it out. Yeah, uh, Cam was reacting to one of the replays from Iowa-Nebraska in which uh, <laughs> often, the, that, off- the, the defenses were really good and the offenses were also there, kind of. Yes. Um, it, it, Iowa with a 13-10 to 10 win, uh, as Kirk Ferentz designed. Anyway, uh, <laughs> do I think that Harbaugh not being there will matter? Yes, I do, but I still think Michigan will win. Uh, I think that what he has... Anytime there's you don't have the head coach, you don't have your leader, you don't have your figurehead, I do think that has an impact on you. But I think that his culture, 
um, is so instilled in Michigan at this point. I think right. everybody around him really buys into yeah. him. Um, call it a culture, call it a cult, whatever. Uh, you can say <laughs> that you can say that about Michigan as a school, but um, I, I do think that they are really good. It's interesting that this is kind of the battle of the yeah, these quarterbacks are fine. They're they're not bad quarterbacks, but I don't think either of them is exceptionally. Uh, dynamic. Yeah. JJ McCarthy has not been a, as as electric as he was last He's, year. He is a Heisman finalist, averaging like twelve passes a game right now. It's incredible. They run that ball. Uh, yeah, but yeah, they, that's that's why they do. Like they run yeah. the ball so well, and they're so okay uh, not putting up a, a million yards through the air. Right. They, they they are perfectly okay running the ball and playing defense, and they are really really good at that. And I'm. I don't know. Ohio State could win this game. It wouldn't shock me, but I, I am going to go with Michigan. I think they're just more complete than Ohio State is. Again, I agree, I agree with you, Brian, on on not having Harbaugh mattering. I think it does, and I think it does. It's a law of continually important returns the closer the game is because that's when more decisions need to be made. The more decisions the interim has to make, the less imprint Harbaugh feels like he has. And because coming into this, Harbaugh will still have the same impact prior to a game because they will all be game plan and he can coach during the week. So everything they're going to plan to do will be Harbaugh's. But then everything that they need to adjust to during the game will not be his. And look, maybe it's an overreaction. They were not convincing against Maryland last week. I think they only won by a touchdown. Maybe they got a, a late score and won I by think, two I scores. I think you're right, yeah. But it was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. And you might say, oh, well, you know, Maryland was at home and, you know, tripped them up. Michigan hadn't been playing like that against anybody this year. And Maryland's still only a six-win team so far this year. So it's it's not like that's something that had occurred earlier in the season. It, it in fact, had not. So maybe that's nothing, but then maybe that's what happens when it doesn't go quite according to plan. And, you know, I I think that McCarthy has done a good job in what they've asked him to do. Again, I'm not sure that if he is asked to throw it 30 or 35 times that we're going to get the quarterback that some might think he is. Uh, I I think their identity is still absolutely running the ball. I think the good news for Ohio State, I think their defense has been pretty darn good this year. They've done a pretty good job against the run. Um but you know, I, I think this. I think this one's close. Michigan has whipped them the last couple of years pretty good. It's been pretty stunning, and I don't see that this year. I do think this game will return to being a close one, uh, and, and Michigan being at home matters. But I'll tell you what, Ohio State going to Notre Dame and winning prepares them for this moment because you might start to discredit a little bit after the fact because Notre Dame's now ranked 18th. They have three losses. Okay, well, if you win a road game against what's number 18, that means yep. there's only 17 better wins out there that you could possibly have. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, that that is still a quality win. It's a last-second win. They did have to exhibit some toughness. It was a it was not a pretty game. And that's what Michigan wants to do. They want to make it a, a, a tough game. The whole hoopla about Ryan Day and Lou Holtz and things that didn't really matter too much to football around that Notre Dame game was that the, the genesis of it was basically Ryan Day took offense to his team's not tough. And they hadn't looked tough the last couple of years. Michigan, again, Michigan at the lines of scrimmage dominated them. Because Ohio State in general has a little better athletes. They've got, they've got the stud wide receivers. They're putting two or three a year 
in the NFL. Out wide, Ohio State's been better than Michigan even in the last couple of years. But Michigan was physically imposing their will. And that's why those games were the way that they were. And this year, I think Ohio State's tougher. I think I picked Ohio State in our picks. So I'll stick to maybe a, a stunner there, a, a three-point game or something. And, and maybe that, too, is because of the part of me that just doubts what will happen in a close game decision-making time and what they ask their players to do and the mentality they have, the locker room speech. Every, every little thing could add up in a close game. It won't if Michigan can come out and whip them early. But in a close game, I think the more – uh, that goes the more they will miss Harbaugh and Harbaugh's done a great job the last couple of years fair or foul with aided help how much it helped doesn't matter like they've they've shifted their program the last few years and they've been really good and and so it's gonna be a, a tough one it's gonna be a close one for sure some other rivalry games because in the five o'clock hour I want it to be dominated by the Iron Bowl so some other ones to hit on real quick Florida Florida State Got more interesting because, unfortunately, an injury to Jordan Travis. Florida did play a competent game last week against Missouri. They just did not make one competent play at the end. Uh, Georgia plays Georgia Tech. That's nice. Uh, Calvin Johnson's <laughs> not running out of the tunnel for Georgia Tech, and Kirby Smart is for Georgia. <laughs> but Georgia Tech like, is, gold, is bowl eligible and good for them. They are. Yes. They are good for Haynes King. Do we think that 40-year-old Calvin Johnson could play at Georgia Tech right now? Yes. Yes, well, yes I do. <laughs> yes, All right. I now, he might do. be on a pitch count. He might not play every play. <laughs> right. But those two plays a drive he does play, look out. Yeah. Uh, so you got God, that dude, one. Was good. You got Louisville and Kentucky. That, I know that sounds weird. It's not basketball, but Louisville's number 10 in the country. Florida State really needs Louisville to win. So that can be a top 10 matchup for them in the ACC title game, and that can be nationally perceived as a big deal if they can beat them. Because, uh, again, they're going to fight the Jordan Travis is, is hurt naysayers. They're going to have to fight that the next couple weeks. Obviously, if they lose, it doesn't matter. But if they do win, then it matters. Uh, so that one's important, and I think that's kind of the, the list of them. Guys, I was thinking about Florida, Florida State in particular. Oh, I guess you could throw in South Carolina, Clemson. I think Clemson got re-ranked this week, and, well, you know, that's an SEC rivalry. But I was thinking about Florida, Florida State, and this game has just fell off to me. And even though I was not predominantly either alive or at least aware for the heyday of this rivalry, I was going back through it yesterday, talking to a buddy of mine, and – from 1990 to 2000, okay, it was actually 11 games. They played twice one year. I think they might even play twice two years, actually, now I'm thinking about it. Played in bowl games. Every single time, God bless you, Cam Berry. Bless you. Every oh, single time, it was a top 10 matchup. Every single time for 10 straight years. So that's why that game has felt off to me the last few years. You've had some ranked games but then they've been like 13 versus 20. Or you've had one team ranked, but you've not had the other ranked, and so you've had a lopsided nature to it. I'm sad that this game continues to be one clearly is above the other, is I guess what I'm saying. But I will ask you, does Travis being out, does that make you tempted by Florida, or do you think the gap's just too wide? I, I'm very tempted by Florida. In fact, in our monthly in our college football predictions i did take florida to win this okay. game not because i think that florida is a better team but i think being without your starting quarterback who has been really good and has been the leader of your team um i, I think that that is going to be a yeah. major loss for fsu um and, and it as good as florida florida has not won most of these games but they continue to put together good performances and and 
I don't know. Florida is such a weird team because they should like they should be bowl eligible very clearly. They should be kind of the middle of the pack team in the SEC East. But they've just lost some weird games. But they've also made a lot of other games really close that they had no business doing so. Uh, you mentioned the game against Missouri last week is a, is a prime example. So I did take Florida. I think the thing about Billy Napier is no, they're not winning games. But boy, are they playing hard. They are playing really hard for Billy Napier, and I, you have to wonder: Does that buy him an extra year? And I think if they beat Florida State, then yeah, it does. I think Bill. I think Billy Napier is going to be back at Florida if they can pull this thing off. Um, and that's no shade to Florida State. I've been a fan of Florida State all year. That was kind of my, hey, keep an eye on this team at the beginning of the year. And lo and behold, they've been one of the best teams in college football. And I'm kind of kind of proud of that. But uh, I've been a big fan of Florida State. But injuries suck. But this could be the thing that knocks one out one of these eight teams and clears the path a little bit. It now, if Florida State does end up running the table, they do win the ACC championship and they get kept out. They have been screwed. Because you, because like to your point, right. you have won the ACC against a top ten Louisville team without your starting quarterback. Clearly, you deserve to still be in there. Um, but without Jordan Travis, I could easily say Florida coming away with it. Also, I'm in last place in our college football standings, so I need to pick an upset. So I went, <laughs> I went with that one this year. Swing big. I went. I went with that one this week because that that is the legitimate path to how that could happen. Yeah, that's fair. I could, I could, I could certainly see it, um, and I think you're right about the college football playoff committee. You know, making the decision on without Jordan Travis, it doesn't really look like Florida State can compete too much, um, and I think that's 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 wrong. I think you know because they have played so well throughout the rest of the season. If they beat Florida and are able to, uh, and it's a convincing win, and then they go on and you know face Louisville and win the ACC then you I just don't see why you leave them out I just don't see how that's fair if they're if those are two convincing wins I don't see how Florida State can still get left out I think that would be that would be highly wrong and like you said Ryan that would be another justifiably angry team um I I I think it'll be an interesting one I do think that because Florida is the home team if I'm correct right? yes so that i think that plays a part and i think that surely will be interesting i think florida will fight a little bit harder and and i think even even if they lose i think if it's a game i think if florida is competitive even if they don't have even though florida state doesn't have jordan travis uh i still i think that that will buy billy napier at least the beginning of next season at the very least um i i i, I still think florida state's gonna win i think they just have too much talent overall um, but that's kind of how I see it playing out. We are out of time here for hour number two. That was a look at some of the other games going on this Saturday. But when we come back in hour number three, final hour of the show, we are going to, of course, focus on the Iron Bowl. All things Iron Bowl after the timeout. Get more matchups, more breakdown, more things to look out for. And, of course, more of your phone calls. If you'd like to be a part of the show, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free one at triple eight nine tiger nine sports call returns after this timeout two hours of sports call are finished don't touch that radio dial we've got one more hour to go 
You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Brent Daughtry and Cam Berry still with me here on this Friday edition of the program. Uh, again, as uh, we continue to preview all things Iron Bowl. Went over some of the other games in the country uh, on the other side of that break, so if you missed that, go back and check it out in the Sports Call podcast presented by coca-cola but guys right back to the iron bowl and been looking forward to it uh and again such a a, a difficult uh, circumstance uh, last week uh and and how the team played to lead you into this still think the crowd will be awesome though as it always is for an iron bowl uh and it's just it's continued to be a situation especially uh in jordan hair there's definitely been some blowouts uh, away from jordan hair uh, but uh, in Jordan Hare, even with the teams maybe uh, going down different paths, uh, it has maintained uh, its close proximity. Uh, and so when we're thinking of the last few Iron Bowls, obviously these, these Auburn teams come in a little bit disadvantaged at times. The 2021 game still would is and really will be the poster child for a long time. I know Auburn did not pull it out. But it's going to end up being the poster child for a long time of look how different these teams are, look how close it can be. I'm for the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeast Lane Group, going through the last five home Iron Bowls for Auburn. So 2021, 24-22, that was all the overtimes, and Auburn had it dead to rights, blew it in the end. 2019, the really high-scoring home Iron Bowl, a lot of huge plays in that game. Auburn wins at 48-45. 2017, uh, Auburn wins 26-14, causing all sorts of havoc to Jalen Hurts. Uh, had some big carry-on moments in that game. And uh, the Tigers took that one. 2015 was still interesting because it was 29-13. But, of course, Alabama scored really late. Uh, I think with two minutes left, it was the final third down. If they had gotten the first down, they would have just ran the clock out, but they went ahead and got all 30 yards or so for the touchdown. But I still go back to that game was, I believe, 19-13, early fourth Auburn ball at midfield. And that was a Jeremy Johnson-led team. It was a 6-6 six and six Auburn team and one score game in the fourth quarter. And then, of course, 2013, the Iron Bowl that will be honored on Saturday uh, well, you know how that one ended up. Auburn 34, Alabama 28. So that's the last five Iron Bowls at Jordan Hare Stadium. That's the Sports Call 5-5% by Southeastern Land Group. So what's the recipe, guys? I mean, what, what, uh, how does Auburn start it? And then starting it's one thing. How do they piece it together to where, not saying that they have to win, 
But how do they get this to the fourth quarter with the opportunity still to win? Well, I, I think that the thing that you guys have touched on a lot is an effective pass rush. It's something that Auburn did not have at the beginning of the season, kind of came on in that latter half of the SEC slate. Um, and it's how Auburn kept it close in 2021 was Derek Hall playing the game of his life. And he also had a, uh, a TD Moultrie also had a couple of sacks in that game, if I remember right. So the two edge guys for Auburn uh, playing kind of out of their minds uh, in that game. The thing is, to, to kind of rain on my own parade with that kind of statement, Jalen McLeod is a fine pass rusher. He is not Derek Hall. Uh, very few are, but he's not. And you can also make the argument, I guess, to, to kind of play devil's advocate to my own devil is advocacy that Alabama doesn't have a great offensive line this year. So I kind of go back and forth on, well, this is how you do it, but Auburn doesn't have the guys to do it, but Alabama doesn't really have the guys to prevent it. So it, th that's the way that you do it, is you start by playing well on defense, which starts with an effective pass rush. Your front seven is going to have to play well. Eugene Asante is not disappeared in these last few games, but he has not put up the the great statistical games uh, that he has that he had early in the season. He's got to show back up. That linebacking core is going to have to play really well against the run, um, and you're going to have to stop the deep passes as well. Uh, so effective effective pass rush, play solid in the front seven, and stop the deep ball. The, those are my first three things defensively. On offense, boy, keep it clean. Average... Yeah. Average four yards on first down. Average four yards on second down. Average three yards on on third down. Just, just you don't have to hit the big explosive play, even though obviously you would like to. And I think that Auburn will have to hit an explosive play or two to keep in this game. But most of the time, just I've talked about it a couple of I've talked about it uh, mostly during the New Mexico State during the aftermath of that New Mexico State game. But you go back to the beginnings of this year. If Auburn does not get it to like a second and six, if it's second and seven or more, you can go ahead and write off the drive. They're not going to convert most of the time if they get into that second and more than medium. So you've got to keep ahead of the chains, even if that means you get it to second and six every single drive. You can convert that. Um, but right now, Auburn just does not have the pieces or the scheme or a combination of the two, whatever, to convert second or to convert a third and more than two or three. And, you know, at, at that point, do you try to run it up the middle, even though you've got that severe disadvantage in, up front on, on that scenario? Um, it, it's going to have to be guys playing above their heads. It's going to have to be certain guys stepping up in certain moments. The offense is going to have to stay on schedule, and the defense is going to have to prevent the deep ball. I agree uh, with a lot of what you said. Pretty much, I mean, everything that you said, really, honestly, Brant. Um, I think you have to, if you're the offense, you have to stay – in front of the chains you, you can't get behind the chains it, that that just is a recipe for a disaster um you, so i whatever you have to do to stay ahead of the chains you have to make sure that you do that execute well on the offensive side of the ball don't get too cute with anything don't just just stick to what you know works within your offense stick to what you have figured out works well within your offense. It seems like the tempo works pretty well. Uh, you know, continue to run that and and you know try to keep it in hurry up, keep it moving as fast as possible, um, and and you'll have some success, some success. Excuse me, there defensively, if you're Auburn, you have to contain Jalen Milrow. Like I said earlier, you can't let him beat you with your with with his legs. Um, he's too dynamic for that. Can't get too deep if you're on the edge. You, you can't get too deep in the pass rush uh, because then you know, obviously that that opens up 
up the middle. I agree with you, Brant. Eugene Asante has got to, to re reemerge uh, in all honesty because you know he again I don't think he's necessarily disappeared, but he hasn't been that X factor in the linebackers uh, just in that in that sense uh, to really uh, disrupt the game for you. So uh, I think that kind of has to take a a, uh, a precedent as well if you're Eugene Asante just to reestablish yourself. And uh, yeah, I mean that that's your best chance, and, and then hope for a little bit of chaos and uh, Bama to kind of make some some mistakes themselves. You you know let the crowd kind of play a part as well hopefully that'll kind of rattle them phase them a little bit um i mean this is this is Jalen milrose first game in jordan hair and he's not faced like you said ryan he's not faced an environment like this since early in the season so again you get plenty of opportunity to if you're the crowd um to to play into that feed off of that energy if you're auburn and and you 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 might stand a chance if you can keep it low you can keep it keep the game a little muddy keep it a little ugly um then then you kind of have a bit of a chance and and you can uh, uh hope for a little bit of chaos i'm gonna approach this with one comment that's gonna sound kind of basketball like that they can't okay. let Alabama go on a run. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And that starts from obviously the very first quarter. Now, other games you get out to a ten or fourteen nothing lead. That in no way the game's over. But I think that the momentum, knowing who the better team is, that part of the advantage you have is an engaged crowd that will make it harder for the opposing team to score. That playbook gets thrown out if the crowd starts to wane, and the crowd starts to wane, and not not in number, but in excitement. If you're down two possessions in ten minutes, uh, so it starts as we talked about earlier, and for me, it starts with having a defensive tone set. Again, Auburn, even if Auburn comes out and scores a touchdown first drive, I don't think they're going to magically score forty two points. So there's still a certain amount of space that Auburn's going to have to operate in this game. And once it gets above about 30 or 31, just because of the makeup of the team, I don't think that's necessarily uh, historical because Auburn's lost an Iron Bowl 55-44 and they've won a 48-45. And so I'm not saying that's an every-year occurrence, but I do think that given the makeup of this team, Auburn's not destined for a 40-point game. So they're not destined for a wacky high-scoring win. They'll need it to be lower-scoring. And when it's lower scoring, if you go on a run and, and say Auburn gets up, I, let's say let's say it's shockingly good. Let's say it's ten nothing. What happens if Bama has a seventy yard touchdown pass, then gets a three and out, and then scores again? Well, then it feels like the work that you did under a fifteen or twenty or twenty five minute circumstance is gone in five minutes. And so that's why it can't be there can't be a run. At any time. It can't be a two or three straight possession sequence. Auburn can't withstand it. I don't think they can get over the mountain if that mountain builds like that, even if it's uh, under the circumstances of Alabama returning to tie the game or returning to take a, a lead. I don't think that the momentum is good there uh, if that sequence happens. So I think that's number one. No runs. No, no, no two to three straight possessions of failure. I think that in the middle portion of the game – that's when Auburn sets got to set itself up for fourth quarter success. And what I mean by that is the second or third quarter, second and third quarter is about when you start to pull out the different stuff, the meat and potatoes of your game. And that's not to say Auburn doing what has been the meat and potatoes of a lot of their games, which is kind of the same base runs and pass here and there second third quarter is when they're going to have to have the tendency breakers that we've been talking about 
all season long. Well, they might do something the same way in the first quarter they've done all season long, but the second quarter it needs to be different. Uh, it needs to be the different concepts. needs to be play action. I find play action to be, in general, effective if you can pass block, period. Yep. Just, just period. Uh, I, I can't tell you. I, I'm a fan of a team in the NFL that has I, – I saw this stat the other day. I'm a fan of a team in the NFL that's not been better than 24th in the National Football League in rushing in eight years. Yet I still feel every time that they have play action, they build, they give themselves an opportunity. It's not always about, oh, well, this team really has to account for both, so when it's play action, they're really, really just shook that it's not a run. It's about moving people by a step, just changing their eye discipline, making them lose sight of their matchup for a half a second. That's sometimes all it takes, and sometimes that's all you're going to get against good teams. They're not Alabama, in all likelihood, if they make a mistake, it's not going to be a 10-yard mistake. It's not going to be like, oh, whoops, no one covered Rivaldo Fairweather right down the middle of the field. Oh, look, they put three guys over here. We only have two to defend them. That, that kind of stuff does not happen to well-coached teams very often. But what can happen is those players lose discipline for a second. So that you get a step or you get a yard or the window opens not 100% but 20%. And that's your moment. And that's why play action is still really effective to me. It at least gives you a good shot at it even if you don't have a great running game going. Because you have to account for it. You have to give it the lip service for just a split second because if you're wrong and you start backing up and it is a run, then you lost your, oh, we had a good run box there. Now all of a sudden you didn't because the linebackers backed up a step. So they have to account for it even if for a half a second. Now, can Auburn block it for the time they need to develop whatever concept, pass concept they want to? That's a different story. But that's what they've got to try. There's certain things that you just owe it to yourself you have to do or else you don't have a shot. So they might not end up blocking it well. They may not give themselves the four or five seconds to take a shot on one of those. they got to attempt it. So that's the middle portion of the game plan is the eye, is some eye candy, but, but again, the misdirection, the tendency breaking, the this is different than what it's been most of the year. This is what you did not necessarily prepare for. And then the fourth quarter – you're running on adrenaline, you're running on strength, and you're running on this is an Iron Bowl, something weird we're going to bank on happening. The fourth quarter is about securing that turnover, getting that sequence of penalties, getting that special teams play, getting a tipped ball, getting something weird. Because, again, in upsets, what was so weird about the New Mexico State game is it didn't get close because they just kept dominating for four quarters. Okay, But normally for an upset like that to happen – Usually it's close, and usually you need a freak play. And so Auburn's not beat Alabama by two touchdowns, three touchdowns. I promise you that. Auburn might win, and we certainly hope they do. They're not going to win by 20 points. So they're going to win a one-possession game if they win. And if they do, that means something weird needs to then occur in the fourth quarter. You, you start strong in the first quarter, you give yourself belief. Second and third quarter, you confuse a little bit. You, you break tendency. You do some different stuff you haven't been doing. And then fourth quarter, you get the one magical play, the turnover, the sack fumble, uh, the false start, and then a bad snap because they don't know the snap count and they're having trouble with the crowd. You get the, the, the out-of-the-ordinary thing that then helps you put over the top. That's my four-quarter 
strategy of how it's got to be laid out for it to go right for Auburn. And, of course, it can get broken the minute you get punched in the face and you don't respond. It could be it. I mean, but again, but that's that's what you're looking at. That's how these Iron Bowls have to play out is there's still some some sort of big play at the end, it doesn't have to be the kick six. It could be, it could be the the Shivers blowing someone up. It could be the weird play that happened in the third quarter of that game where Jacoby McClain takes it off of what Najee Harris's butt, yep, yep. and goes 100 yards. That that's not much tactic or that's just kind of a luck play, uh, and that's the freak stuff that happens sometimes. But you've got to be in a position for that to matter. Right, and, and so it almost mattered in 15. Auburn couldn't quite string them together, but when Jason Smith caught a tip yeah. catch, so it was very mm-hmm. similar to Ricardo Lewis against Georgia in 13. When Smith caught that in 15 to make it a one-possession game, they put themselves in position, but the reality is they needed to already be in the position uh, for that. That needed to be a two-score game after I, that play, not one. I always forget about that Jason Smith catch. I see it occasionally, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a wild thing that happened in Iron Bowl, but I never remember it. Yeah, uh, so that's that's my game plan. That's that's what they're going to have to to follow. There's probably not many variations of it that work. Uh, other than that, I'm not saying I know everything, but it feels that, that again, there's not a path to a 48-45 this year. Can you keep it to 13-10? Again, you could. It's tough. Alabama makes usually too many big plays. They just they they score twice because of a big play. They have a long touchdown and they have a long play to get in red zone. So it's hard to imagine anything less than that. And I know Auburn damn near did it in twenty one when they allowed three points for fifty nine minutes. But again, that that's an aberration of sorts too. Uh, so there's a certain again between those mid to upper teens to high twenties. That's somewhere where Auburn needs to be able to operate in this game. We're going to take our next time out. We'll be back with more Iron Bowl talk, back with more questions. We'll talk about if there's any sort of statistic that will stand out to the guys. Anything that uh, there's a certain number Auburn needs to hit or Alabama can't hit other than score, that will be of importance on Saturday. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Call into the show. Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brant Dontry with you here on this Friday, getting you set for the Iron Bowl. As we're under 24 hours away, 
It will be been about three hours since kickoff at this point. Been you know kickoff's about two forty or so. Might, we might be early third with uh, CB with CBS just base right. play. Right. At most games be the fourth, but we might be in the early third. Uh, this is a side note. I do just want to say this in fifteen seconds. We don't. I don't have any hard data, any numbers to stare at, but I'm pretty confident after watching the full year. We did not actually slow down or speed up games. That pace of play was the about the exact same this yeah. year, just yeah, minus absolutely. maybe five to ten plays a game. I don't think it just squashed the amount of plays in games, but I do think we did absolutely nothing to shorten the game. So just neither here nor there. When maybe we'll get some data after the season, talk about it in the off season. But all right, more Iron Bowl questions for you guys. And teased it before break. Sometimes in games like this, people like to ask or wonder if there's a stat that will be the telltale sign. That could be yardage. That could be conversion rate on third or fourth down, uh, sack total, all kinds of stuff. What do you think will be the most important stat in this game? What 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 is or and maybe there's more. Maybe there's certain stats like Auburn can't allow this, Alabama can't get to this, et cetera, et cetera. But what what stats might feel significant to you? To me, there are two that I'm going to look at immediately after the game. Average yards to go on third down is going to be the first one. Can you keep up with the chains? Are you That's a good are you one. staying are you staying out of third and long situations? Because I, I we've talked about it before. Auburn's been bad on third down in, in on this year, but usually it's because they've also been bad on first and second down, and they've got nine and a half yards to go on third down. So if that if that's the situation you're getting yourself into, you're screwed. You've got to keep it third and short the entire game. You've got to be able to pick up yardage on first and second down and make third down manageable or just don't even have to worry about for a uh, third down get your first down on your second down ideally but uh it, it, keep it within third and three you know make that your average to go and and auburn can stay in this game the other thing we want to be looking at is what you look at anytime your team is an underdog how many turnovers can they force what is the turnover ratio i think that auburn cannot simply win the turnover battle they have to win the turnover battle and not commit any turnovers because if Auburn turns the ball over and Alabama gets a short field, it is over. Alabama will score on that. And Auburn has to create short fields multiple times. I think Auburn's going to have to win the turnover battle 2 nothing. I think that's the bare minimum that Auburn can have uh, in, order to, in order to stay in this game at least. That's interesting. Counter question, another one for you, Brant. How possible do you think that is? Oh, very. Very? I, I think it's very possible. I think that the way Auburn has played defensively this year, well, it, let's look at the two different types of turnovers you're most likely going to have. Fumbles are mostly a result of luck. Right. Can you force the running back to fumble the ball? <clears throat> Most of the time, running backs are pretty good pretty at good. not fumbling right. the ball. Right. Sometimes you get lucky, and when that ball pops out, you've got to fall on it. Fumbles are very much a, 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 for, a, a function of luck. Interceptions are different. You can manufacture You, you can manufacture yeah, interceptions. Sure. The way that Auburn's defense has played, they are very complex. They are multiple. They have... They have a bunch of ball hawks in that yeah, secondary. Dude, they, they're a really I that agree. secondary is really good at hunting really the good. football. And very if you can confuse, so. uh, if you can confuse Jalen Milrow and make him throw a pass where he shouldn't, I could very easily see Jalen Simpson, G- DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, one of those guys coming down with a pick or two. I, I think that intercept. I think that there's going to be. I think the onus is going to be on the secondary to intercept at least two passes in this game and create short fields. If you can get a, a pick six 
excellent. You score you score a non-offensive touchdown in this game. I think that is, that is another thing that has a chance to flip it on its head. I agree. That that's all right. That's a good point. I just I was just curious to see how how possible you thought that was. But um, I agree with the turnovers. I agree that Auburn can't really turn the ball can't turn the ball over at all. I I agree with that because uh, again a short field and and that's relatively over. Um, just like this Missouri and Arkansas game has been over since really halftime. Um, and um, <laughs> and yeah, so I I think they have to you know absolutely be a zero on the on the turnover um, for Auburn, and you have to create turnover. So um, and I I agree with you. I do think with the way that you explained it that you're right. That the defense, the secondary, they have some real ball hawks. So it's very very possible um, to to kind of confuse Jalen Milrow. Like I said, if you can if you can avoid that, get rid of that deep ball. Make sure that that deep ball is uh, is taken away from Milrow and make him you know throw the intermediate. Uh, make those intermediate throws make him try to um, really you know throw some dots then you have a chance to to get some to confuse him and and get some uh, and create some turnovers uh, but my other number I think that, that is important I think and this is for Auburn is the rushing yards I think you have to be able to establish the run I know it's tough against a pretty good Alabama defense but I mean that's I think that's the strength of your team it's the strength of this offense you have to be able to run the ball uh, and 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 take the pressure off of of Peyton Thorne I think that will make it easier for him to kind of operate in the in the capacity that he's going to be able to uh, throw the ball at a decent amount um, and, and kind of get him into the rhythm of throwing on the offense uh, so that he can kind of get warm and then you're really flowing and you can really kind of differentiate what you're doing on the offensive side of the ball you could you don't you're not limiting yourself to one dimension of things I think I, th- I just think establishing the run early is something that will be highly important not to say that you have to run it all three downs but you know get, getting getting that going is really important and then you're able to like I said uh, 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 later in the game be able to kind of say well yeah we've been doing both things relatively well so now we're not forced to go in one type of direction uh, throughout the entirety of the game so uh, those numbers rushing yards and uh, and the turnover like like Brant said are, are two very important numbers that I'm looking at the, the great thing about stats is we could get the two or three we need to feel like we need to get and then the five others are awful and it's still bad yeah right right and uh, so it's like i want to give you yards and conversions and red zone and turnovers and all that but the reality is you got to pick two or three and i think that brent you hit the nail on the head on the third down stuff because it's one thing so yeah auburn needs to go 7 12 on third down and yada yada but they can't do that if it's not a certain type of third down right uh, if it's third and five or less, they've got a shot, and then the pure conversion rate will matter a lot. But if it's third and nine or ten, I can go ahead and tell you what the conversion rate's going to be, and it's going to be about one out of every ten or something like that, one out of every eight. So, you know, it, that that part of it is very important. The two I'll add, explosive plays by Alabama, plays at 20 yards or more. I'm not sure, admittedly, what a great number is for one particular game. I'm going to go with this number off of feel, but it can't be more than three. And then those three need to ideally not all be like 30-yard touchdown, 50-yard plays, that sort of thing. You can have a 22-yard play and it not end your drive or end your your year. So that's why I want to allow for a couple being made. But the, the moral of the story is... 
they can't be giving up gash plays the whole time. The, the whole idea of this is that Alabama is good at that, and that's the thing that you're trying to make them do. They very well may still have five double-digit play drives like New Mexico State did, and then kudos to them, tip your hat, move on. But you can't let a busted assignment, a really fast receiver, or not maintaining your lane discipline when rushing the quarterback, you can't let those things be why you give up touchdowns because the idea here is to make it a slog, to make Alabama work for it, to put the crowd involved. Crowd doesn't get involved at the first play of a drive is a 36-yard yeah. play. Yeah, They may not have scored. They might have gotten to the Auburn 40, but that's a very demoralizing start to a drive. It's going to take a few plays to work back into it if you're the crowd and the momentum and all that. So I think limiting those big plays are going to be really important. And then I will say kind of in conjunction with that, red zone, right, because red zone converges both teams. For Auburn, it's making Alabama start out in the red zone, not allowing that to be a big play that makes them forego the red zone. But then it's about, okay, can you limit to a couple field goals there? And again, all a part of the plan. Alabama will make yards. Alabama will not leave this game with 178 yards offense or something small like that. They'll make their yards. Did you make them work for their yards? Did you make it into 5- and 10-yard bits and pieces, or did they get 20-yard chunks that then let them not worry about red zone? Because Auburn's red zone defense has been one of the strongest parts of this entire team this year. So get them – again, you don't want to say Alabama had eight trips to the red zone. Well, that's not going to be good either. But <laughs> – in their successful drives, make it a red zone opportunity instead of a long play for a touchdown, and then obviously limit to a couple field goals. And I will say for Auburn, it's also included in my what to watch for for Auburn's offense too because when Auburn gets the precious couple of opportunities, in all likelihood it's going to need to be touchdowns because I don't think, again, along with saying I don't think that Auburn's going to be scoring 40 points in this game, that also kind of inherently means – I don't think they're going to have seven opportunities to score in this game. It's not like, oh, they didn't score 40 because they scored you know, 30 because they had three touchdowns and three field goals. No, it's not going to work like that either. They're going to get about four opportunities to score. Five if they're lucky if they get aided, but about four opportunities to score. At least three of them have got to be touchdowns. And that may not bear out inside of the 20. That might say be inside the 30. Or, or 35 or one. But once they get inside the Alabama 35, about four, maybe five opportunities to score. Got to have at least three touchdowns. If it's four opportunities, if it's five opportunities, it needs to be four touchdowns. They cannot leave those points on the board because they're not going to get the quantity of opportunities that Alabama in all likelihood have. So they have to make sure they make the most of those opportunities. So that's some of the numbers that we're looking out for. We're going to take another timeout here of the show. When we come back, start to wrap it up a little bit. Give our final predictions of what will happen, final keys to the game. When we come back, you're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 
The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Grant Daughtry, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. Final 10 or 12 minutes of the show today as we continue to talk all things Iron Bowl ahead of the 88th Iron Bowl. I mean, again, another another big opportunity, another national stage. The last one, as many have pointed out uh, on CBS for the foreseeable future with the new TV arrangements. Again, uh, many people will... Not miss Gary Danielson. I was much more <laughs> impartial than most, but I, I just appreciated. I knew how big the game was to be on CBS, but I will. I think appreciate it more if it's Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit. So, do you, do you guys think that ESPN is going to make the SEC primetime game at that two thirty spot, or do you think they'll put it at seven where they seven. where they currently have their primetime spot? And that I, has been on my mind too. I, know I think it'll be seven. I, I want it to be seven. I, I think it's better for. I think be it's better seven. for the sport when the best game is played later. Agreed. I know. Je- I know Jeff from Columbus called in and, and wondered this uh, the other week. You know, I, I think that given how ESPN and ABC have historically done it, I think it'll be in that 7 o'clock time slot. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, I think that the Big Ten has been so comfortable playing early in days at both noon and, and or at <laughs> 11 and 2.30 Central Time that I think that CBS will probably keep that going for the Big Ten at 2.30 and that Fox will continue to do 11 a.m. stuff. And I think that they have done plenty well in their ratings. It, it proved early in this year, uh, back when people were watching Colorado, no matter when they played, if it was 11 a.m., they would watch that. Uh, and I think that we've always seen the Red River rivalry, which is, of course, coming to the SEC, but that has always been well-reviewed at 11 a.m. That has not needed to be at, uh, you know, and, and to be fair, that one has, has fluctuated what network that's been. In, that's been on ABC sometimes. It's been on Fox sometimes. Just depends on the year. It's been ABC more recently because of the new contract. But all, all these games have done well enough, and Ohio State-Michigan will not struggle for ratings tomorrow at 11 a.m. I, I think that they will be fine in their time slots, and therefore it will be quite obvious to, to make theirs still the 7 o'clock time slot. But yeah. that is a wonder, I, and I don't know if they will make their number two game at 2.30. So, in other words, you still have uh, someone like, you know, I don't know who, uh, Sean McDonough, uh, and he I think he's the number two crew usually. He might do 2.30 ABC games for, for, for uh, the SEC, and so it still might be an impactful game. I don't know if they'll just let SEC Network handle it at one time slot. 
uh, and say, yeah, I kind of want to hide you there. Uh, <laughs> so, Because, again, the SEC Network's had these 3 o'clock games while the 2.30's been going on. So that's actually kind of functioned as their worst time slot. Most people think it's 11 a.m., but by TV-wise, 3 o'clock SEC Network, there is no greater dishonor. And so uh, I think it'll be 7. That's the long answer to that. But I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they, how they decide to do it. Uh, next year for sure and, and again having Fowler and Herbstreit and all these I mean again I, I think if Fowler and Herbstreit Iron Bowl will hit a little different yeah and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that for sure I think I, I could be wrong someone someone might be able to remind me was the last ESPN Iron Bowl 2014 that 55-44 I know that one was on ESPN it was a night game is that the last time I I, I don't ever have it being I don't ever have a memory of it not being two thirty. Like, yeah. I'm, I, like obviously it has been, but I think I, all was. the I, all the Iron Bowls in my memory are at two thirty. Kick six was a late one. No, it was two thirty. No, it was two thirty. Yeah, it's just that it was dark at that yeah. moment because so, and it's it's yeah. going to be dark tomorrow because it gets dark at four p.m. Right. in right. Central Time now. But yeah, I think the most recent non CBS Iron Bowl. Uh, was 2014. I know that one was. I just no, couldn't recall if me, it was more re- more recent, but 2014 at 55-44. But be, be looking forward Vern, to it. I, remember, I can very distinctly hear Vern Lundquist calling the kick six right now. Yeah. Gets a yeah. block. Yeah, for Gets sure. another block. Chris, Chris Davis. Davis. No, no flags. flags. Yeah, yeah. The, no, the no flags we know both is so of them. good. Yep. We're, we're Auburn men, Brant. We, we know Rod Bramblett's call. We even yep. know Vern Lundquist's call. Uh, I'm a big fan of Eli Gold's call, actually. <laughs> I, I have listened to that one a couple of times, too. Uh, and, of course, that team will be honored uh, tomorrow, that mm-hmm. 2013 game, 2013 team, uh, for the 10-year anniversary. They've been uh, honoring a bunch of different Auburn teams this year on the threes. And, uh, of course, that one will, will culminate it tomorrow. So final thoughts of the game, guys. I mean, we broke it down several different ways. Before you give a final score prediction again, tell me one more time about how you want to go about it and the biggest biggest thing for Auburn that they need to get done tomorrow. Oh, Defense is going to have to play out of its head, going to yep. have to force turnovers, stop the run, and stop the deep stuff. Uh, tackle well in space. Um, hopefully you get a fumble or two and those safety I, I specific, like Jalen Simpson was so good at doing it early in the year he hasn't done it as much but it's mostly because teams are aware of him now but he's going to have to force an interception or two it's going to be his job to do so and he's a good enough player to do it and he's not the only player in Auburn secondary good enough to do it but he's just the one that specifically comes to mind offense is going to have to stay ahead of the chains they're going to have to play better than they are expected to frankly uh, better than they have played at all this year because alabama's defense is really dang good what else is new um don't and not turn the ball over at all that's the thing you, you have to win the turnover battle and your turnover column has to say zero uh it, that to me that's the only way auburn can stay in this um my final score prediction, um, I don't think Auburn can get it done. I think Alabama is just a better team uh, from top to bottom. Uh, Auburn's in a rebuild. Alabama's going for a national title. Uh, I think the weirdness of Jordan-Hare Stadium keeps it close, especially in the first half. I'm thinking something with it like a final score of 34-20. to 20. 17-10 at halftime wouldn't shock me at all. But, uh, yeah, if, if I had to give a final score prediction, 34-20. Yeah, so I, I, I agree. Uh, I, I think for Auburn to have a chance, they've got to play a really clean game on defense. Like you said, Brand, I agree. Um, got to got to be able to force any turnover. Got to be able to force turnovers and not if you're the offense on the offensive side, offensive side of the ball, not not turn the ball over at all. Um, lost my mic there for a second. Sorry, it, was, it fell on me. <laughs> um, 
you got just got to play a clean game overall if you're Auburn, and I just think that's kind of a little bit too much to ask, even if they in, are injured in Hare. Um, you know, I, I I I still think even though the, the offense played so good the last three weeks, they kind of reverted back to even though New Mexico State did just overall dominate all three facets of the game, and I feel like Auburn did overlook their opponent and things like that. Um, I, I still think they kind of reverted back to the offense that we saw previously before the the, the three game win streak. Um, so I think that they're going to. Uh, I, th- I still think that when a team can score more than twenty four points on Auburn, that that that's kind of the ceiling, and you're able to win. They're able to to win the game uh, if that if that comes to it. So I I do think a final score prediction for me. I kind of I think I have twenty seven. Um, 21 in favor of Alabama. I do think it will be a close game. I think it'll probably. Uh, I I think you know at about halftime, like you said, Brand. I could see a 17-10. I could see a 10-13, something along the lines of that. Um, and then in the second half, uh, Alabama kind of not necessarily runs away with it, but you know, kind of gets up to a bigger bit of a lead, and then um, kind of uh, just Auburn, you know, scores one more time, figures it out, gets gets the ball, you know. F- um, one more time and then scores, but then other than that, uh, not able to kind of get it done or get the ball back. So uh, I think that's kind of where I have it. I, I I just think it's a little bit too much to ask, you know, a team that has had some mistakes and some problems overall uh, on offense throughout the season to kind of compete with an offense like this. Excuse me, with Alabama, um, I I think the defense, uh, I, I think the defense will play fine. I just don't think. I think the defense will play relatively well. I just think it's going to be hard for them to stay on the field, uh, stay off the field, because I think the offense is just going to have just so much, pro- so many problems, kind of getting uh, true established drives going throughout the uh, throughout the game. Uh, and, and with that being said, yeah, that, that's my final score prediction. I think that's kind of where where the game's going to lie, uh, because I do think in Jordan Hare, it's always going to be a game. It's always going to be interesting and going to be entertaining. Uh, I think the crowd will have a factor. Um, and it'll be something that Jalen Milrow and just the overall Alabama offense will have to get used to. But uh, I, I still think the talent will end up uh, overcoming and, and just the coaching kind of difference will overcome things. Yeah, look, I, my outlook of the game, I'll just be honest about it. My outlook of the game changed drastically based on what we saw on Saturday. I, I, I said since week three, I said since week three, this would be a close iron ball. I did not pick Auburn at any point, be fair. I thought it would be another heartbreaker, another one possession, woulda, coulda, shoulda type of game. But after that, it just kind of burst the wind in my sails and the realization that on some level Auburn just did not improve the way we thought they did. I I don't think all of that was fake. I did think they made some gains. They're clearly above some teams in this league. Uh, And to say that, I I don't know if I could have said that last year. So I think there is some progress because although they beat A&M, it was very – close last year and they could have easily lost Missouri should have so they were down at the bottom with any other team you want to put down there other than maybe Vandy any other team they're down there (laughs) this year like they're clearly better than Arkansas this year they're clearly better than Mississippi State this year Uh, and so there was some progress however again you lose a game like that when it didn't look too fluky uh, that shows you that it wasn't a, a, a multitude of progress and so i will give jordan hair and i'll give auburn this for one quarter it's still gonna be a madhouse and i think that auburn gives you two to three really good possessions unfortunately they're gonna need 10 uh on both sides of the ball and or at least t- eight or ten defensively and five or six offensively and they're not gonna be able to give that 
So I think after first quarter, I'll go 7-7, 10-7, something in there. Either way. But I think it'll just get a little bit worse and a little bit worse throughout the game. Uh, maybe 2015-ish to where, okay, as late as maybe the third quarter. I know fourth quarter for that game, but maybe late as the third quarter, there's still optimism. Maybe it's still one possession. But just going to get a little bit less likely and a little bit less likely the more the game goes along. The, the spread is 13, and I'm going to take Alabama to cover it, and I'm going to say something in the neighborhood – of 38-17 or something like that. I think, Brant, you went 34-20. Yep. I'm going a little bit more than that, 38-17. Again, that could be 21-17 early fourth, or or it could be um, you know 17-14 at half, something in there. But I just think as the game progresses, this team is not good enough to do this for four quarters, and it does ha- not have enough playmakers to do this. Because Jalen McLeod might have a sequence, but he needs to have a game. And Eugene Asante could have a sequence. He needs to have a game. And Auburn's offense, Jarquez Hunter can have a sequence. He needs to have a game. Peyton Thorne can have a drive. He needs to have five drives. So that's, I think, the difference in this game. Auburn has its moments. Uh, It's not a complete blowout. It's not an embarrassment. But it is not necessarily down to the last possession or two of the game either. Final minute or so of the show, a real quick nightly TV guy presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Get smart, 610 on HBO. You got college football, 630 NBC, Penn State and Michigan State. 637 on ABC, Texas and Texas Tech. Some NBA, 645 Miami Heat and New York Knicks. Again, 645 ESPN. And men's college basketball, the Vegas showdown with uh, teams to be named. I'm sure they're named by now, but I don't have them in front of me. <laughs> 7 o'clock on ESPN2. And that's Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will do it for the show today. Brant Daughtry, thank you for being here today. I'll see you, my friend, up in the press box tomorrow. Thank you for be- uh, having me. <laughs> I, it's been, it's, <laughs> I it's am, been a day. Uh, uh, I drove two hours today, and then I did a three-hour radio show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Cam Barry, thank you for being on the show today. Uh, we'll see you down on the field tomorrow, yeah. and I uh, hope you have a good weekend. See you guys tomorrow. Have a great weekend. That will do it for the show again today. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Barry and Brant Dontry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. I hope everyone has a great weekend. War Eagle, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.